Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Happy Friday. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler as you head into the weekend. We got some rain last night. Things cooled off. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. How about you, Danny? I'm doing great. It's the MLB trade deadline day, and we have got all kinds of movement. So it's a fun day for uh, baseball fans and uh You know, even the casual fan, I think, is kind of fired up. This is fun. We've had a lot of movement already, and we'll see what the Cardinals do today. Dan Levitard famously said, and I agree with him 100%, that the sports fan likes the transaction more than the action, and I agree with that. In fact, I'm right there with him. Well, think about how Blues fans feel this morning as opposed to how Cardinals fans feel feel this morning. You know, guys, so yesterday... I like the Hot Stove League, too. Hot Stove League is great. That's fun. Love the rumors. Yeah, and then it happens, and I'm like, yeah, okay, (laughs) he's here. So uh, my (laughs) because my eyes aren't great, my font on my phone is a little bit larger than most. So when I get a (laughs) notification, sometimes the end of a sentence is cut off. Yesterday... Dan, I'm dreaming out loud of the Cardinals pursuing Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. I get a notification last night, Scherzer, Turner on the move too. And I'm thinking, oh, they did it. They listened. (laughs) And then I click the notification and it says the Dodgers. Oh, man. Of course it is. Dan, yesterday Randy presented a fun fake trade option for the Cardinals, including Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. He said, who says no? He had this entire trade proposal. And then I see last night on my Twitter feed that the Dodgers actually pulled it off. They pulled off Randy's dream trade to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Unbelievable. I'll, I'll tell you what, the Dodgers uh, rightfully so are going forward. And you think about what they have gone through this year. Dustin May is out with Tommy John surgery. That would be a big factor for them. Uh, Trevor Bauer probably never pitches for them again, and that was their big offseason acquisition. Clayton Kershaw, uh, Mookie Betts have been battling nagging injuries all season long. Uh, Kyle Seeger was out for two and a half months. Cody Bellinger, former MVP, has not been like a former MVP. So what do they do knowing that the arms race is happening in the NL West? They block because, remember, at the time it sounded like Scherzer to San Diego. So Mm -hmm. they block him going to San Diego. And they pick up the two uh, maybe biggest chips on that trade market. And so the Dodgers will have four Cy Young Award winners at some point pitch for them this year. Think about that. Clayton Kershaw, David Price, Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer. I'm not sure if that's ever been done before in baseball. I think there's been three. I'm not sure four. I remember doing a game. We were talking about three guys and, you know, the the Cy Young Award winner may have been from 10 years ago, but Mm -hmm. he's there. Um, And to put it in uh, perspective of what they have done since 2019, I love going into war, which is wins above replacement, which is really the way that front offices measure players in a lot of way. So Trey Turner is seventh among position players since the beginning of 2019. Max Scherzer, sixth among pitchers in war. And you wake up this morning and you're a Nats fan in their history. Max Scherzer was 39.8 in war 39.8 
I think that deal worked out for them. That yeah. was number one in their franchise history. Trey Turner was sixth uh, best ever, uh, 22.5. And they get, obviously, a great guy in postseason play in Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. By the way, in his starts, he averages 11 strikeouts per nine. So they, they get the big chip that can really help yeah. them. Good for them. We're going to get back. We're going to swing back to the baseball trade deadline. But the Blues made a deal yesterday with Brandon Saad, the former Blackhawk, former Avalanche. Five years, a little over $22 million, 22 and a half to be exact. And he's obviously been in the division. He knows this team very well. Could have gone to Carolina, could have gone to New Jersey. So why the Blues? Well, there's multiple things that go into it. You know, I think you look at first off is the hockey team and, um, I've always respected the way the Blues play the game, and uh, I, I feel like I can fit right into that system. And them coming off success only a few years ago, winning the Stanley Cup, that, that, that's enticing too. Because I think it's huge to have guys that know how to win. So the hockey aspect's great, and then learning a little bit about the city. Uh, I have a family with two young kids, so I heard that. Uh, I've heard great things about the city and the living situation there. So that all goes. They all kind of get factored into play, and, and obviously, like you said, you talk down with, uh, sit sit down and talk with your family, and, and kind of hash out what's what's most important to you. Well, Brandon Saad, number one, you slot in on our top line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. Number two, we do have a free zoo. Yeah, does he know that the zoo is free if he has yeah. two young kids? This is the best place for he and his family yeah. to come. I, I noticed that we were all smiling when he said, <laughs> I heard it's a great place to raise a family because it is. It's a great yeah. selling point. But Doug Armstrong added again. He not only adds Pavel Buchnevich, but he goes out. He gets Brandon Saad. As you mentioned, he's going to slot right in on that top line. So he's acquired two top six guys. And I wonder, as Jeremy Rutherford wrote in The Athletic, what this does for Vladimir Tarasenko, this addition, because Brandon Saad had other choices. He could have gone to New Jersey. He could have gone to Carolina. Both places that are interested or were interested in Vladimir Tarasenko. So not only did Doug Armstrong go out and make an acquisition that's greatly going to benefit the Blues, but he might have helped himself a little bit, too, and potentially unloading Vladimir Tarasenko. And he's only 28. I'm with you guys. I think you you slot him in initially right off the hopper. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron. Essentially, you're trading Schwartz to go to Seattle and you pick up sod and it's about a million dollars less. So his average AAV is 4.5 million. So it gives him a little wiggle room and we'll see what happens with Tarasenko. And those two guys that you drafted that are about the same age in two, you drafted in 2010 Schwartz and Tarasenko, you get younger by replacing Tarasenko with Bushnevich and with short Schwartz with sod only a couple of years. Sod is 28. Saad, right. So you only save a couple of years there. And now you just have to find a team with the five and a quarter million dollars, five and a half million dollar cap hit that Saad is going to take. Maybe the Blues do take on some money in a Vladimir Tarasenko trade, but there is very little room at the inn in terms of top six forwards now for the Blues. Very little room at the end. I like that. That's true, but don't you have faith in Doug Armstrong out of any yeah. GM? If, he's, if someone's going to get it done, it's going to be Doug Armstrong. Yeah, he is. I have no doubt that he'll find a taker and the Blues will be under the cap, and they have a chance to be a pretty good team. They'll be competitive in the division. Well, I like what they did up front. I mean, you needed to do something there. I still would love to see um, defensively a little bit bigger body, more mm-hmm. physical there. I think the loss of Dunn is big. I mean, when you lose Dunn and you lose Schwartz, those are two really good players. Mm-hmm. And one is very, very young and Dunn, but I still think they've got to get more physical back on the back end. But Addressing what happens up front, you know, now that Hoffman's gone, you assume Tarasenko's gone. 
this this certainly helps. I'm assuming Hoffman's not coming back. And yeah, he signed with Montreal. Yes. So hopefully the Blues will be able to get a, that big defenseman Dan for Tarasenko. That'd be uh, the the play if you could. Yes. And yesterday Jamie Rivers brought up on the fast lane Scotty Mayfield, local guy. Uh, with the Islanders, the Islanders would appear to have interest. So if you could pick up a guy like that, that would be pretty good. And he was a good playoff player, too. All right, now let's swing back to the baseball trade deadline because it was crazy yesterday. And we talked about the Dodgers closing in on a deal for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They would receive Kiebert Ruiz, who's number 41 overall on MLB's top 100. Josiah Gray, who just came up. A right-handed pitcher, he's number 42 in the top 100, plus right-hander Gerardo Carrillo and outfielder Donovan Casey. So you've got that deal. The Yankees made a deal for Anthony Rizzo. So they've added a couple of left-handed bats in the last couple of days. Jeff Passan of ESPN, are they done? They might be, but they've done awfully well if they are. You know, they may add a little bit of pitching, some relief pitching, but I think their big moves on the offensive side are done. And to go out and get Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo to take a lineup that's so extraordinarily right-handed and add not just two lefties, but two high-on-base lefties to it. Brian Cashman maneuvered, and he used his prospect depth, and he was able not just to get these two guys, but to get them essentially for free cash-wise, keeping the Yankees under the competitive balance tax threshold. They're not going to have to pay a penalty. And next year, when there's a new collective bargaining agreement, the Yankees may go out and spend much, much more. And after the Yankees made that move, the Red Sox, who have been tied to Anthony Rizzo, went out and reacted by trading for Kyle Schwarber, who's injured right now. But he's a left-handed bat that the Red Sox were hoping to get. I appreciate the Yankees going for it. You know, they're eight and a half out. They're three and a half out in the wild card. But to identify the issues that you have and say it doesn't matter where we are in the standings right now, we're going out to get the power that we need and fill some holes and really go for it. I'm sure their fan base really appreciates that. It's uh, They fill those needs. I mean, when you look at that Yankee lineup, they have a total of 22 home runs from left-handed batters so far this year. That's it. So when they add now Gallo and Rizzo, that's 39 just from those two combined. Um, the Cubs will actually pay the rest of Rizzo's salary, which is about $5.5 million. And as Jeff Passan just said, that puts them about 4 to $5 million under the luxury tax or however you want a competitive balance tax. So if they wanted to add a little pitching, they could do that. Um, it also takes him away from the Red Sox. There was a lot of talk that Rizzo might go to the Red Sox, so now he doesn't do that. They need it on base percentage because they have a lot of three true outcome guys strike out walk home runs well now they get a couple of guys that help them in that regard at least with Rizzo for sure Joey Gallo will be an everyday left fielder he's a very good defensive player I do wonder as this has a St. Louis tie-in what happens to Luke Voigt now Luke mm-hmm. Voigt is getting healthy led the American League led baseball in home runs with 22 last year He's had a couple of knee injuries this year. He's had an oblique issue, so he's hardly played. Um, I wonder if they maybe try to flip him or if if they truly look at Rizzo as just being a rental. And no more waiver deals, right? This is it. This This is is the deadline today. 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern, and that's it. Your team is your team. The Cubs are disassembling. Ryan Tapera, who had a really good year for the Cubs. They traded Andrew Chafin to the A's the other day and obviously moved on from Rizzo. So they still have Brian left, and they still have Chris Bryant left. Jeff Passon, what's the latest about Bryant? Boy, you know, you look at the New York Mets right now, haven't done anything. You look at the San Francisco Giants right now, 
haven't done anything and the Padres just going out and getting Daniel Hudson and the Dodgers, of course, doing what they did today with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Uh, the market for Chris Bryant is going to be there. And the fact that the Chicago Cubs are going down to the last day till 4 p.m. with Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell still on the team. Jed Hoyer, their president of baseball operations, has a lot of work to do on the final day of the trade deadline. And I still expect both Bryant and Kimbrell to move. So that would he, he didn't mention Javi Baez. I'll be interested to see if there is a bidding war for Chris Bryant. There should be with the teams that he mentioned. And he's a versatile player. So mm-hmm. you're getting a guy that even played shortstop this mm-hmm. week for David Ross out of an emergency situation. He could be an everyday third baseman. He could be an outfielder for you. And he's a, a changing type bat in your lineup. So uh, it was kind of eerie. I don't know if you guys saw this um, I don't know if eerie is the right word, but uh, really caught my attention. Number one, when Rizzo left uh, Wrigley Field yeah, yesterday. Hug Cam. So they had that on him, and before they had, they're on the road now. So before they got on their charter, and the way it works at Wrigley Field, it's not like the newer ballparks where the, the players have separate parking lot in terms of just not being able to, uh, the, the fans not being able to see them. you got to walk out of Wrigley Field across the street with guards and get to your car. So he went with his family, went out towards uh, the wall, the ivy, and was up against the wall with his hands up, taking pictures, and then walking out was greeted by a bunch of fans. And then the last shot I saw was Chris Bryant. The game was over, little music in the background, and there were some maybe clubhouse attendants cleaning out the dugout, and it's just him staring at Wrigley Field by himself. Yep, sitting in the dugout. Sitting in the dugout by himself. So I would anticipate that he's gone. I definitely think Kimbrell would be gone and now you look at that team in 2016 of what, what of what's left. I mean, it has been disassembled. And to me, the big one from the outside looking in, but talking to a lot of people with the Cubs, the guy that was the face of all this was Rizzo. He was there when they were really bad. He was there when they got good. He's been through it all um, and been through a lot in his personal life with dealing with cancer and all mm-hmm. those kind of things and coming back. So they traded the face of the franchise. It's uh, got to be a tough morning, I guess, in Chicago and probably a tough day in Washington when you see Russell Westbrook go to the Lakers and Trey Turner and uh, Max Scherzer go to the Dodgers. That's a tough day in Washington. And then if you're in L.A., you've got the Lakers getting Westbrook and the Dodgers. So the the Washington guys go to L.A., basically, basically. is what happened. Yeah. That's a good day in L.A. Yeah. And I look at Schwarber. I mean, his deal... Prior to hitting the uh, the IL, he was the hottest hitter in the market. He was. So mm-hmm. you look at that Red Sox lineup. They got Kike Hernandez, Bogarts, Renfro, Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, and now Kyle Schwarber. It's pretty yeah. good. And Hunter Renfro's having a heck of a year, he too. Has. That's a guy that uh, was kind of a sneaky sign for the Red Sox, but a, a smart one for them, and they're in first place. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, and coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Peak or Pit is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, it is time for Peak and Pit on 101 ESPN, your highlight of the week, your low light of the week. And uh, this is uh, actually pretty pretty easy for me i and this is kind of like a pre-peak i might have the same peak back-to-back weeks but we might not have one next friday 
But uh, my peek is, Michelle, that we are uh, good to go, and we are on the runway for Canton, Ohio next week. We're going to be broadcasting from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're going to talk to Isaac Bruce, Dick Vermeil, Tori Holt, uh, Ricky Prohl, Jay Zygmunt, a lot of people involved with the greatest show on turf as we celebrate Isaac's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And to get everything nailed down is pretty cool, and, I, and we're both excited about it. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, definitely a peak, I think, for everybody on the show and at the station, too, because it's going to be a big celebration all day long of Isaac Bruce, but starting and mostly with us in Canton. But I just think it's so special that we get to be there and bring that to so many former Rams fans, or mm-hmm. we should say greatest show on turf fans in St. Louis, because that will never go away, because we haven't had a reason to celebrate that team in a long time, and this is going to be a very special day for Isaac, and a well-deserved day for Isaac. So, that's my peak, and my pit, and you guys, you get frustrated when you make a suggestion to a family member, right? And you, they just <laughs> never do anything about it. You make a suggestion to your kids, or, or your <laughs> spouse, or whatever. So, I make a suggestion to what I consider family, the Cardinals. Cardinals and I have been family since I was, what, three years old, right? Oh, I've, yeah. I've been a fan. We, we're family. So I know they're listening. You I, tight. Oh, yeah, we, we are. We're dogs. dogs. Yeah. Dogs. So uh, <laughs> I, I make a suggestion, and I, I are you listening to me, or are you just being hard-headed when I suggest that you go out and get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, and then somebody else gets them? Let's not be so hard-headed. Cardinals, you're my pit, not listening to your family member. Okay, but spin zone, your pit is that the Cardinals were listening but didn't listen. Spin zone to peak, clearly Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers, fans of Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mac. There's so. no question that they're listening. So that's a, that's a plus. And we get that West Coast audience on the stream. I want to make a quick point here because it is the same ownership that did something similar. People might be driving down the road saying, but Randy, they're out of the race. Why should they bother? Dan, you remember this very well. Michelle, you probably do too. They were out of the race in 1997 when they got Mark McGuire. Yes, they were. And that was a game changer. A trade like that is a game changer for a franchise that's kind of meandering through a baseball season at 500. It, uh, I, I think the way I look at it, like if you were going to bring Scherzer back home, I don't know what his connections are still much here in St. Louis. You know, life changes as you go along. The other X factor in this whole thing is that he's represented by Scott mm-hmm. Boris. And so if you brought him here, um, you're going to have to pay him next year. Uh, to me, that's the bottom line. If you brought him here, do you want to pay him what the market is going to bear? Or do you feel comfortable with other options that you may have? And I'm assuming that's the way they probably approached it. And I would not have suggested it to my family if they didn't have $60 million coming off the books. And by the way, we should note, in the Cardinals' defense, Scherzer may have rejected a trade to St. Louis. He did have 5 and 10 rights. He may have wanted to go to a place where he's got a really good chance to win the World Series. If we're rational about it right now and look at it from his point of view, he might be saying they aren't even going to make the playoffs, let alone win the World Series. Right. Could be, um, but I'm with you back in 97. That did change the, the fortunes. I always say it changed everything mm-hmm. into what we even enjoy now because in 97, when they brought him here, in 96 was a good year. They were one win away. They were up 3-1 on, on the Braves and coughed it up in the NLCS to face the Yankees in the World Series. But those final two months, it was like must-see ticket, must-see TV. I mean, you wanted to see Mark McGuire and then how he handled everything crying at his press conference, donating money. He was perfect. And so then 98 happened, and the floodgates opened up with revenue. And to the credit of ownership, they reinvested in the club and made the deal for Renteria. And then it was Edmonds, and it was Roland, and and they were winning. So it changed. 
Uh, my peak is Doug Armstrong and the Blues. It's nice to know that you have a front office that is always going for it. And that's no slight at, at the Cardinals. I just love how Doug Armstrong is relentless in his pursuit to make the Blues the best they possibly can be. And for fans and for media who cover a team... He's never going to sit back and let something happen to him. He is always thinking several steps ahead, and he's always got his foot on the gas. So whenever something comes up where there's movement in the NHL or you think that the Blues need to make a move, I love that Doug Armstrong is always in the mix. So that's my peak for the week. And my pit is what happened with Simone Biles. I respect her decision to not compete, but she is the marquee name of the Olympics. I was very much looking forward to watching her go out there and represent our country. And so it's definitely a pit that she's not competing, even though we understand and respect the circumstances. Absolutely. My peak is uh, today, the trade deadline. I love it. I think it's fun, like we were all saying. Once the trades happen, I'm like, oh, okay. But I love the the rumors that are going around and what teams may do, so that's always fun for me. I also have another peak, which was, I'm sure we'll get into it with Jay Delsing. I had the privilege to MC the Ascension Charity Classic and talking to Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. good. That's a peak. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's pretty good. Peak. That was neat. Um, my pit is you two. Uh, oh, no. Now, uh, not that I don't love you both. You guys are great. Emily, you too. It's what you said, and that's my pit. It was about telling me going to Canton next week and saying, and it put it in perspective for me, and it brought <laughs> me down when you guys are like, this is the last connection potentially if Tory Holt is not elected to Canton and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is really your last connection from that team, that franchise, and whatever you want to call greatest show on turf to the NFL. And it's kind of the final nail in the coffin. And so you guys put it in perspective for me, and I know you're doing your job, so good job, but it brought me down. <laughs> it is sad, pit. though, when you think about it. I'm in the pits. Yeah, I, I was telling Michelle yesterday that I'm going to get Kevin Demoff a present in case we see him. What would you get him? I'm going to get him some uh, St. Louis City SC swag. You got to get him a scarf. Um, uh, I could do that. I was he thinking, and Stan. Yeah, I, I was thinking uh, key ring and decal, but a scarf would be a great call. What are you guys going to say to him and um, Stan if you see him? As, as we talked about the other day, what's our terminology with Randy when he's a little edgy? Rage blackout? That's the one, but there's another <laughs> one. Passive. Uh, oh, passive aggressive. That's right. That's, that's my my play. It's totally <laughs> passive-aggressive. I went right to Rage Blackout. Yeah, yeah. It's a good choice. Well, I was just thinking yeah. Sam Kroenke, Randy, yeah. in the moment, Rage Blackout. So I get to see I Randy like going across a ballroom in just a uh, full-on tackle, perfect form of stand, <laughs> and you get you know so rested, and it's over. He goes the, down to the three-point yeah, stand. Ready exactly. to go. Two things. When Kurt went in, we were at, uh, Joan and I were at Kurt's party when he went into the Hall of Fame a few years ago, and Kroenke and Goodell were in a back corner talking, but... Uh, <laughs> Demoff came up to me, and Joan's thinking. She she told me later. Oh God, what's going to happen? Yeah, do do I have to get in between these two? Yeah, <laughs> but I was cordial. What happened? What did he say? Can you share? Uh, he came up. I said, uh, "How's the stadium going?" He said, "Man, you've lost a lot of weight. You look like Harrison Ford." With another Harrison Ford comp. My uh, goodness. And so I, wow. I was cordial to him. So and I will be nice. I will ask him how he feels the lawsuit's going. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I mean, hey, how you doing? Oh, how's the lawsuit coming? Yeah. Heard it's going great for you. <laughs> how do you feel it's going? How's the construction on the stadium been? Any concerns oh about opening that bad boy up?
Yeah. Randy, we'll, you'll be speaking for all of St. Louis when you do I'll that. I'll do my best. I'll try to have my phone on record, guys. <laughs> and by the way, for Isaac's party next Saturday night in Canton, the first RSVP, apparently, from what I've heard, came from none other than Kevin Demoff. Mm. So, and so and it was a, a yes, I'll be there. Yeah, he'll be there. All right, Emily, what do we got? From the 314, Pitt, I've been in the hospital since the 9th of July. Oh, my goodness. But peak, I've listened daily, and I'm going home today. All right, right. going home. Glad you're feeling better. Thank you very much for listening. Sorry you've been in the hospital. But hopefully we made your stay just a little bit better by uh, being on the air in the morning. And we appreciate you listening very, very, very much. From the 314, peak, Army being Army, Pitt, Mo being Mo. Well, we still have hours to go in the trade deadline. I I find it interesting with the Cardinals facing Minnesota tonight. And Barrios, by the way, is scheduled to go for the Twins tonight. Mm -hmm. Pineda is supposed to go Sunday, I believe, for the Twins. Both have been rumored to be uh, certainly out there to be traded. Um, Will we see either one of those guys? Because when that domino fell with Max Scherzer, a lot of people were saying Barrios is the next guy. Now, Danny Duffy did go to the Dodgers from Kansas City, but there has been a lot of talk about uh, those two guys being on the move. Yeah, and I'm a person, and I hope I'm logical about this. If there have been no starting pitchers traded in a season, and there weren't until uh, Rich Hill got traded last week, how can you complain about a lack of aggressiveness if there's no apples to apples comparison for you to make, right? That's the way I look at it. Were you going to say, take anything you want so that we can get Rich Hill? No, you aren't going to per- perform your duties that way as a pobo. But now that we do have Rich Hill and Danny Duffy being moved, when you have Adam Frazier being moved, I have to believe that the Cardinals in their system could have done more than what San Diego did for Adam Frazier. When I look at Scherzer and Turner, now there are th- legitimate things for me to be frustrated about. I would wonder if the Cardinals are interested in Whit Merrifield. If Danny Duffy is gone, now the Royals are certainly a rebuilding team. Matter of fact, I think they have the best record since the All-Star break. They're like 9-3, and three, mm-hmm. but they're a team that's not going anywhere. I wonder if they try to unload him and, and again, get some more prospects, but that would be a guy that I think would be of interest for any team, certainly the Cardinals. From the 636 peak, the Greasy Goals are back with Sod and Pitt, Texas, and Oklahoma crashing our SEC party. Oh, but are they going to enjoy it, or is it going to be a, a bitter beer when they walk into the party and all of a sudden Mizzou is absolutely drilling them? See, I don't look at it as a party. I look at it as if they walk to the lunchroom and they can sit at the table, but they're at the mm-hmm. very end of the table and no one's talking to them. Yeah, They're but, at the table, but no one likes that they're there. Yeah. Hey, one thing, one thing about uh, Lincoln Riley and uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and you know Steve, uh, you got to play defense in the SEC. We play defense here in big boy football. It is big boy football. You're right. Yeah. It is big boy football. I like uh, Eli at the um, – Eli Drinkowitz at the uh, – media days yeah. I, I talked to some people that were there from not even in this market and they said that guy's awesome yeah. we didn't really know about you know how much fun he is he's really I, he's just been engaging he's been fun and he's probably going to win because he's got some players coming in <laughs> and he says yeah we got a rival Arkansas we never lose to them I like that rivalry <laughs> <laughs> he's very cool he's Fantastic. As a matter of fact, we got to get him on next week because they start practice next week on the 8th. Gosh. I can't so, believe it's going to be August. Yeah, pretty amazing. Wow. We're here. Football's here. That's Peaker Pitt on 101 ESPN. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Greg Amsinger next. Talking trade deadline on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. MLB Network is a St. Louis product. He's a product of the Lindenwood University. This afternoon, if you're around the TV, you need to turn on MLB Network noon to four because Greg's got a trade deadline show. And there's still more activity to go without question, even though leading up to this deadline, there's been a ton of activity. Might be the best trade deadline ever. Greg Amzinger's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning. How are you doing? I would be doing much better if they would have waited and like saved all this action for the show today. That would have been really nice, Randy, because I would have loved to sink my teeth into Rizzo to the Yankees, Scherzer to the Dodgers, along with Trey Turner. This has been chaotic. It's been wonderful. And I do believe uh, the forecast says there will be more moves by the deadline. All right. Yesterday morning, I suggested Gorman. Any pitcher not named Matthew Libertor, any two pitchers not named Matthew Libertor in the system, Andy Young for Scherzer and Turner, disappointed that the Cardinals couldn't pull it off. Did the Dodgers, in the deal that they apparently are going to make for Scherzer and Turner, did they give up more than Gorman and any two Cardinals starters in the system beyond Libertor? Yeah, K. Bear Ruiz is a really talented young catcher. I I don't think people understand how talented this prospect is. He's going to be a guy hitting 320 in the big leagues as a a backstop. I mean, he's got special skills. He's been on the prospect guru's radar for a really long time. The kid Gray that they traded, big arm electric. He's been their top pitching prospect for quite some time. I think they brought him to the big leagues to kind of show him off to the other clubs. You put him in that in that package. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, he's a reliever. I think he's a starter down the line. That's a headline. Those two guys headline any package. The Dodgers are all in. They had to make this move because Scherzer was going to go to the Padres. They cannot let that happen. And it's hilarious because the San Francisco Giants weren't really in the mix, as if Gossman, DeSclafani, Cueto are like just locked in to pitch like Cy Young contenders all the way through the end of the year, which I still don't see that happening. I think the Giants make a, a huge move today. Uh, I think the Oakland A's will make a big move. I think the Cincinnati Reds will make a big move. I just think the Cardinals being seven and a half out, seven and a half out was just too deep for John Mozeliak and the crew to think, let's go all in. Let's be equally as aggressive with our prospects. They decided to hit pause, and I think they're going to hit pause today. Well, Greg, the Yankees are eight and a half out in the division, only three and a half in the wild card, but they certainly went for it. They acquire Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo. Do you think that's enough for them, and do you think they're done? I do. I think they're a perfect team, Michelle, to play for the wild card, as crazy as that sounds. They have Garrett Cole, and he's the $300 million answer to being in a wild card situation. They've got a terrific back end of their bullpen, the names are at least. I don't know if these guys are pitching up to their uh, normal level of expectation, but you get into a one-game playoff with the names the Yankees have, why not go in for that? And, and all of the American League clubs are hoping the Yankees do not make up that, that three-and-a-half games in the wild card. They hope the Yankees are not in the mix because the new additions are, are terrific. I, I was a big fan of the Gallo trade. I thought the Cardinals should have eyed him a long time ago. The outfielders started picking contraction offensively, so they backed away. But Joey Gallo has not been pitched to in that Rangers lineup. I mean, there's, why would you give in to Joey Gallo? I mean, there's no one else that strikes fear 
in that Ranger lineup. Now you put him in a lineup with LeMahieu, then Judge, then Gallo, then Stanton, then Rizzo, then Torres. The lineup looks really good. They're going to make another move, I think, today. Luke Boyd's going to get traded. Uh, I, at some point, the Yankees are going to click. I, I think they're going to start clicking now. Last night was a disastrous loss, but I think this is a team that still is dangerous, and especially for that wild card game. You know, Greg, I know you never uh, miss one of my radio shows, and I brought up um, – yeah, thank you, Greg. And I brought up uh, a question that I don't know the answer to, and I am curious about it. As teams are making these deals – now, they always get the medicals on a player, elbow, knee, shoulder, that kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of a two-pronged question, but how does a trade change the 85% uh, threshold for vaccinated players? And are teams at all hesitant in terms of uh, trying to trade for a guy, if whether or not you know he's been vaccinated? Because if he, if he tests positive, especially if you get a rental, you're talking about missing 10 days. That could be, let's say you know, three series, or you're missing the NLCS. Maybe you're missing the World Series. So are you hearing anything about that with how this plays into the trade deadline? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Uh, The name that was coming up the most in connection to your question was Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo is not vaccinated, does not want to get vaccinated. And the New York Yankees have to play north of the border in Toronto now as the Blue Jays are finally home uh, in in Canada, and he's not going to be able to make the trip. It's just the way it's going to work. And this was going on back and forth. Now, I don't know. I've been trying to contact some of my uh, my friends that know the inner workings of the New York Yankees, whether or not he waived that and decided to get vaccinated. But I know that was what they were, they were on pause over. And Anthony Rizzo going to an AL East team and knowing that they're going to have to go to Canada and play meaningful baseball games, he can't go play in those games. Uh, would make any front office executive go, wait a minute, is this a good move for us? So, yes, this has been an ongoing part of the conversation for many of these trades. And there's a list. There is a list of players that everyone has right now. Every club, all 30 organizations know which players have been vaccinated and which players have not been vaccinated. That communication is going on back and forth, and it is part of the conversation as to whether or not this move or whatever potential move could make sense for a club. But Anthony Rizzo has been the most polarizing when it comes to this, this topic. That's a great answer. And I had not thought of that. So that's good to know. Greg, top three OPS against in major league baseball, Brandon Woodruff, 489, Freddie Peralta, his teammate at 490, Corbin Burns, his teammate at 510. The Brewers have top three guys in major league baseball in OPS against. They add Escobar. Does that put them over the top or do the Brewers have another move up their sleeve? They have to go get another bat. They have to get another bat. And look, if you Luke Voigt's name keeps getting thrown around. Why not make that move if you're the Milwaukee Brewers? If the if the Yankees are coming out saying this is a guy that's available because we don't have any spots for him now, we just don't. Then if you're the Milwaukee Brewers, you have to pounce. Rowdy Telez is not leading you to the promised land. And there was talk that you know Eduardo Escobar can platoon over there uh, with Rowdy Telez. So you know, say they're playing against a really good left-hander. Well, Escobar will play first base, and then we'll have Arias at third. And then against a good right-hander, Escobar goes over to third base. Telez plays the needle for me, especially when there are guys like Voight available, Trey Mancini you can acquire from the Baltimore Orioles. I'm sorry, the Milwaukee Brewers are good enough with their starting pitching and their bullpen to make a dent in October. They need one more bat. 
to assume that Christian Yelich, when he comes off of the COVID protocols, is going to be what he was two years ago, because he hasn't been Christian Yelich at all this year, sitting with six home runs. I don't think Eduardo Escobar, who I thought the White Sox should have acquired, is enough. I believe they have to go get a first baseman, and I think Luke Voigt's going to be that guy by 4 p.m. Eastern. Greg, we knew that the Cubs were going to be selling off some assets. Anthony Rizzo, the first to go. You still have Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Craig Kimbrell on the board. Who do you think goes next? I think Chris Bryant is the San Francisco Giants today. I think that's the massive contract. Uh, that he'll actually get from San Francisco. He'll get traded there, and they will make sure they lock him up. He's a perfect player for their organization. The defensive versatility, the way Gabe Kapler likes to move guys around, they've been platooning people in left field, and it's just not working. Dickerson is not an everyday guy. I think Chris Bryant is what the Giants need. Their starting pitching has been very good, and their bullpen has been a pleasant surprise. I think they add a bullpen arm today. It won't be Craig Kimbrell going to the Giants, but they will add a significant reliever, uh, and I think Chris Bryant's a lock. I think Javier Baez is going to get traded today to the New York Mets. I think you're going to see Francisco Lindor uh, getting even more comfortable in his surroundings by having a guy that he played high school baseball against down in Florida. Javier Baez, a good friend of his, joining him in New York. I think he goes to the Mets. I think today's starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, Jose Barrios, is also going to get traded to the New York Mets. You will not see him face the Cardinals today at 7 p.m. Eastern. So I think Barrios is going to go to the Mets. I think you're going to have Baez go to the Mets. And Kimbrell is going to be, I mean, really fought over. Really fought over. I still think the Philadelphia Phillies are the potential destination for Kimbrell. I hear the Blue Jays are really aggressive right now for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, but, yes, you're going to see Blue Jays or uh, all the Chicago Cub names go. And I, I, I still would not be shocked if Kyle Hendricks was traded. This is going to be a complete overhaul for the Chicago Cubs. Interesting, and and you did lead me into my next question about Barrios, whether or not we would see him at Bush Stadium tonight. And don't forget, Pineda is scheduled to go on Sunday. Would that be another guy that maybe is on the move from Minnesota? Yeah, he's got great spin rate. Uh, I, I don't know if I would believe in you know Pineda moving the needle to help my rotation, maybe as a number two or number three. I think he's a long man out bullpen because if he's max effort for a short amount of time, uh, he could be effective. But there have been so many critics talking about Pineda, the bad body, erratic, loses his fastball. Man, he's one of those unique guys that has more control of slider fastball like Carlos Marmol back in the day, except as a starting pitcher. I think he'll get dealt because the numbers that all of these front office executives of the analytical approach to um, analyzing baseball players like the way he spins the ball. So I could see him moving to a team, uh, a team that needs some rotation depth, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, The Cincinnati Reds have been very aggressive in adding arms. I think the big move today for the Cincinnati Reds, I think they get Trevor Story. I think Trevor Story is a lock to go to Cincinnati Reds. Mm -hmm. I initially thought the Oakland A's, they've backed away. Uh, The Reds are excited. They've won three in a row. They're five games out of that second and a wild card. And I think Story's going there. I'm just throwing these names at you guys. We love it. My brain is just wired for this. (laughs) I can't wait. Hey, I want to ask you, and even though you are a Cardinal fan, you are not a Cub hater, but how should we look at this six-year run of the Cubs? Was it a success? Obviously, it was a success because they won the World Series in 2016. But overall, is it a disappointment? That they didn't win more. I think overall it's disappointing because when they won, I think we all expected this to be the new powerhouse of the National League. This was going to be what the Dodgers ended up becoming. 
we talked that the Chicago Cubs had it as the guy leading the ship. When Theo bailed, that was such a red flag. Uh-oh, this is not going in the direction that anyone expected. Ownership invested a ton of money in and around Wrigley Field. I mean, they spent a ton of cash, and it's gorgeous, and Wrigleyville is better than it's ever been. Uh, but now they're complaining that they have no money. And when you do that, you, you're, you're pointing in the direction of the players that were the pillars of you breaking a curse and winning the World Series. So look, I think the Cubs are going to go back to being what they were for a long time, the lovable losers. And when you compare organizations and Cook fans thought, oh, we're finally at the peak. We're better than the St. Louis Cardinals. Look, it, 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 it's easy to be a flash in the pan. That is not a hard thing. Ask the Florida Marlins back in the day, okay? That's a thing that can happen. But to sustain success and the continuity that you've seen from the St. Louis Cardinals, the Los Angeles Dodgers can't say that they've had that. So it, the co-fans still can't compare what they were able to enjoy just five, six years ago to what Cardinal fans get each and every year. And even on this day where it has been a disappointing season for the Cardinals, we're still wondering, will they be buyers? Instead of knowing they're wholesale sellers selling every big name that wears the uniforms. So it's just two different baseball cultures, and it's going to remain that way, the Cubs and the Cardinals. We will be watching this afternoon MLB Network between noon and four. Greg at the helm of MLB's trade deadline special. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait for all the uh, trades that will happen while you guys are on the air. Greg, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. You guys do the same. It was fun. You're the best. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. We should note, by the way, that this isn't a trade, but... Miles Michaelis threw 58 pitches, four shutout innings last night for Memphis. My expectation would be that Michaelis probably makes his next start as a member of the Cardinals. Well, you're running out of time, right? So you got uh, 60 games left, I believe. Yeah, you're 51 and 51. Mm -hmm. So I I would agree. And I think he gets inserted into the lineup. That would probably help your bullpen with one of those guys going back there. And then give Flaherty one more rehab start and put him in there and and see what you can do down the stretch. Because at some point, you you look at 2021 and you go, we're out of time. Yeah. So you got to go for it. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It with Michelle, Dan, Randy, and Emily on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) Great to have you with us on Character Smallman and Danny Mack. We want your texts for the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Kids, take it or leave it. Max Scherzer never pitches for the St. Louis Cardinals. Take never. It. Take I'm going to take that. Me too. And I hate it, but I'll take it. I think he's going to resign with the Doyers. I don't know if he's going to resign with them, but he's going to get paid. Yeah. And highest bidder, come on in. Give me a two year deal with an option, maybe, that takes him to age 39. And the Dodgers would seemingly be the team that would be obvious for him, especially if he has a good experience. And I'm going to say that probably Trevor, depending on how the Trevor Bauer thing all shakes out, but that money would be off the books. Potentially, it's hard to do that with the Players Association, even with what is going on with him. But let's just, uh, for argument's sake, say that that happens. Then that decision becomes very easy to bring him back. So I'm going to take it that he's not going to be in St. Louis. 
earlier we were talking about the blues and moves that Doug Armstrong's already made. And Dan, you mentioned that you would like to see some size on defense yeah. be added. And so I heard Jamie Rivers say this yesterday on the fast lane when I was driving around. Take it or leave it. You would like Zidane Chara to become a member of the St. Louis Blues. I would take that in a second. Big Z. Yeah, He's I don't care how old there, he is. Free agent. I like having hockey players that are as old. Any athlete that's as old as I am. How about I'm when they're eight feet tall, though? That's you like that? All the better. Reach. Yeah. You know? And we yep. know that he's a monster. Yeah. He will play with his jaw broken. Yep. No worries. Yep. And he and Tori Kruger are buddies. That's so, right. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I was listening to Randy with his question to Greg Amsinger about the Cubs. Um, take it or leave it. Is it really disappointing this stretch of uh, the stretch of let's say from 2015 to now. If you're a Cub fan, are you really disappointed? Take it or leave it. Based on expectations, I'm going to take that because they expected that they were going to win two or three World Series, and they got to one and won it. I'm going to leave it and leave it big time because. They got a World Series out of it, which is all that matters. I know the expectation was to win more, but you had the expectation to win for over 100 years, and it didn't happen. So if you put together that core and you put all your chips in, the goal is to win, and they won. If you would have said to a Cubs fan, you're going to go to the playoffs and NLCSs in 15, win the World Series 16, back in it in 17, and be competitive and have these teams that are at the top of the division or going to postseason play for all these years – Cub fan said, where, where can I sign up? But after you win... That's the thing. After the ex- you win the World the Series with a really change. young team. Now, and the other part of that, too, is that you went through a awful rebuild. I mean, tank, yeah. basically. I mean, you were you were awful, you know, yeah. in trying to get players and pick high. So you got Chris Bryant. He landed in your lap. Because um, now when you look back on it, he should have been the number one pick, probably. And they went, uh, I think it was the Astros, went with this, uh, the pitcher. And then, obviously, Bryant goes to number two. But they were picking high. They got Baez. They got Rizzo. Or, uh, Bryant. They they traded for Rizzo. Omaro, Bo- Baez. Yeah. Uh, Ian Happ. Right. Schwarber was the fourth pick in the draft. Exactly. So, it, you went through some tough times as a fan because the team wasn't very good. But Theo did a good job of acquiring position players. Not great position uh, play, uh, pitchers, but... You know, before that, would you have taken it? Absolutely. But then I think I'm with you. After you win, you're like, well, I want more. I got a taste of it. And it's a core that's young. But I think I'm going to go with Michelle. I would say it's that you're okay with it, I guess. Yeah, whenever you win a World Series, you should be okay with it. By the way, one other note, they traded Eloy Jimenez for Quintana. Yeah. They wind up trading Glaber Torres to go get uh, two months of Aroldis Chapman. So... There, there's a lot of former Cub talent out there, too, especially afterwards, after they won the World Series, that has been helping other teams, and the guys that you got didn't help you at all. And you say, would you give up? I mean, Glaber Torres is a very nice player, um, but you got the two months of Chapman, helped you get to the World Series yep. and win it. As a Cub fan, you go, you take yeah, I take that yeah. in a second. You yep. had generations of your family die without seeing that. Right, yeah. So <laughs> You know, imagine if you said to a Cubs fan before that, as they were acquiring all of those players, expectations are going to be high, but you're only going to get one. They'd be like, where do I sign up? Yeah. But if you ask a Dodger fan today, will you be disappointed if the Dodgers only win that World Series last year? I think they'll say they were disappointed, too. But the Cubs, I think, are different. They were the lovable losers. It had been 108 years. The Bartman, the curse of the Billy Goat. Mm -hmm. They had everything working against them. I think... The tortured soul of a Cubs fan is satisfied with one. Emily, what do you got for us? 
from the 314, take it or leave it. Jose Barrio starts for the Twins tonight. I'm going to leave it. I am too. I think he's gone. Um, and we were talking about this earlier. You know, some of those dominoes have fallen already with Danny Duffy and Max Scherzer, uh, Barrios. Apparently the asking price, from what I was told from people two weeks ago, was astronomically high. Wow. But... Now that other pieces have fallen, there's the leverage game, but also time is not on your side if you're the Twins. And if you're a team that acquires him, it's not only for this year, it's beyond. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting homestand for the Cardinals because the Cardinals will get Minnesota, Atlanta, Kansas City, and all three of those teams could look drastically mm-hmm. different by uh, 3 o'clock today. And the Cardinals, who knows? From the 314, take it or leave it, Josh Harrison is a great fit for the Cardinals. Oh, I would take that in a heartbeat. I have always loved Josh Harrison. I think he's making a million bucks. He's a a really good player that's been, a, I think, a multi-time all-star with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He can play all over the the diamond. He would insert in your lineup at second base. He could even bat leadoff if he wanted. And who knows? If he likes it, you bring him back. So I'm I'm a big fan of that idea. Potentially address some issues at a pretty controllable cost. Right. That's very controllable. Randy, get off your phone. I'm just. I'm going to find out from. I'm going to find out from a Cubs fan whether she thinks it's a disappointment or if she's happy with it. Uh, Josh Harrison is fine. I'm. I'm fine with Josh Harrison. Is he going to help you come back from seven and a half, eight games back? No, but hey, at least it'd be a move. Does Flaherty, Michaelis, Josh Harrison interest you at all? I mean, does that get you excited? It does. It could get you at eighty-four wins. Well, you're going to have to go. 40 and 20 down the stretch to get to that 90 win mark, yeah, roughly. And you haven't this, done it yet. This so. team doesn't have enough to, to win 90 games. Got a lot of head. To, what do you got, 10 or 13 left with Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be tough. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl undefeated. I'll leave that. I'm going to leave that too. Leave it. They're a great team, but it's very hard to go undefeated. The only undefeated Super Bowl uh, team since the advent of the 16-game schedule. I have, actually have that 19-0 patch, I think, in the office, Michelle. You do, yes. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Patriots go 19-0. and I, So that, that was the only one that I can recall. Well, you remember, Randy, what actually happened. What happened? I, no, I, I missed out. I, I have the patch. I'm assuming that this is official. Oh, we all know that you know that they lost the Super Bowl. Darn it. You love Eli Manning. You're a big Eli Manning fan, He aren't saved you? America twice, Dan, All right. okay? All right. I'm take just it saying. or leave it. You love Eli more than Peyton. I'll take that, yeah. I'm just not... because of what he did against the um, Patriots. Yeah. Okay. And he wasn't superstitious. He was little stitious. Just a little stitious, yeah. yeah. From the 314, take it or leave it, Tarasenko gets traded today. I'll take that. I think if you don't trade him today, when are you, you going to move him? <laughs> I'd say by the weekend. Yeah, seems, I'll do it today. It seems like every day that goes by, though, the value is going down and down and down. Or your position, I guess, if you were the Blues, isn't as strong. That's the way I feel. Yeah. I, I, all you're looking for now is a team that'll take the money, I think. And uh, maybe you get a draft choice in return. But basically what you want to do is get the money off of the book so that you can sign your restricted free agents. Right. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Coming up, Michelle, we have hot goss. We have some hot goss. The trade deadline is upon Mm. us, and we are going to go around Major League Baseball and talk about the hottest rumors from the streets. Fired up for that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. so hot right now. It's the hottest. Feeling hot, hot, hot. 
Hot. Hot. Hot goss. That's hot. On Carriker and Smallman. That's right. It is hot goss time here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> okay. Can you explain this, Michelle? Yeah, well, it's trade deadlines. You know what that means. Rumors are swirling everywhere. Streets are talking? The streets are talking. And by the streets talking, we mean baseball insiders on Twitter. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they are talking. They're tweeting. There are rumors abound. So we're going to present some to you. We had a ton lined up, but there were some moves that were made last night, most notably the Dodgers acquiring Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And the Cubs making the move yesterday for Anthony, or excuse me, the Cubs making the move to send Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees yesterday. But speaking of the Cubs, Chris Bryant's still out there. As Dan mentioned earlier in the show, after the game yesterday, Chris Bryant sitting alone in the dugout at Wrigley Field, just staring out into the field. He's getting a little emotional. He sat there for quite a while, and he seemed very somber knowing that the end might be near. But according to John Heyman of MLB Network, the Mets and the Cubs are talking about deals for Chris Bryant and or Zach Davies. He says it could be a nice package to solve the Mets' two main issues. Might as well throw uh, Javi Baez in there as well and just get it over with, right? The interesting thing that Greg talked about was Kyle Hendricks. Mm -hmm. You could get a haul for him because he's cost-controlled and he's really good. Um, but I, I would imagine that if you, if you did it, my whole thing was if you pulled the trigger on Rizzo, all bets are off with Baez. And I felt Bryant for sure. Baez, I had more of a feeling and talking with some people with the Cubs that he might stay and they'd try to sign him long term. But, um, man, it's just uh, it's going to be hard to to see them without the, the core group of players that they have. And so and they're I, I all gone. And Kimbrell is going to get them a haul because you get a dominant closer, maybe the best closer in baseball this year. So every team is looking for that. Um, I think I agree with Greg that Bryant to me is the perfect fit for the Giants, even more so than the Mets, let's say, or even the Atlanta Braves. He'd be a nice fit for the Atlanta Braves because of the way that the games are managed by the Giants. They're always so you start a lefty. Gabe Kapler is going to throw a bunch of uh, righties in his lineup. You start a right-hander, it's going to be the opposite way, and it's just interchangeable parts, guys that can play first and second and go to short, and then, oh, now he's in right field, now he's in left. Chris Bryant does that. Yeah. So he doesn't limit you with what you want to do with some of the things, that how they maneuver their lineup. And I think it's also kind of keeping up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. where you've, you've seen now the Padres, it's amazing what they've done in the last year. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, they were in on Scherzer, almost got him, but you, they get Ian Snell. They get you, Darvish. They they go out and sign their shortstop to three hundred fifty million. I mean, it's it's incredible how much they've done. And then you look at what the Dodgers did last night with Scherzer and Turner. And if I'm a giant player or they're in their fan base, I'm saying I got to do something to make sure I am being the one that's being chased. And Chris Bryant certainly would help that. And if the playoffs started today, it'd probably be. Scherzer or Kershaw against Darvish or Snell in the NL wild card. You don't want to be in that wild card. No. So all three of those teams are trying to avoid playing in the wild card game. And oh, by the way, if you look at July, we talked the other day about the Dodgers being 500 in July. Now they're, yeah, they're under 500 in July. So are the Padres. Padres are 11 and 12 in July also. You mentioned the Padres. Imagine how Padres fans must feel this morning. Ooh. They think at one point yesterday, it seemed like Max Scherzer to the Padres was all but done. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, not only are you not getting him, but he's going to the Dodgers. I just, that is a big time bummer for Padres fans. Although, I'll play devil's advocate. I'd also say, though, man, my team's done a lot. Like, we got it. We missed out on Scherzer, but 
man, we got Darvish, we got Snell, we went and got uh, Adam Frazier. I mean, we've done an awful lot to make this team as good as it possibly can be, potentially. And you know what? Eric Hosmer is going to get some some interest if they yeah. decide to trade him. So they're they're maybe not done here with what they're looking at. As of today, if they don't trade Hosmer, they're over the luxury tax. Right. Which is $210 million on yeah. your payroll. Randy mentioned that Javi Baez, why don't the Mets just go out and acquire him if they're already going to get Chris Bryant? Well, John Heyman saying that Baez is in the discussions with the Mets as well. He could replace Lindor at shortstop, then switch to second base once Lindor returns. Baez said this week he wanted to be on a team with Francisco Lindor. So Bryant and Baez, both possible for the Mets. He says the only place he would sign an extension to play second base would be on a team with Lindor. Both from Puerto Rico, played in the Winter Classic or in the Baseball uh, World Classic together. That would be a pretty dynamic middle infield. That'd be about as good a middle infield defensively as you could ever have. The Mets have obviously big time money because of their ownership group with the Cohen led group. Um, you would bring him there, he would sign there, and you, Lindor is, is still going to come back before this season is over. He has that oblique issue. So you get Baez, who's a gold-glove defender, at shortstop, and then Lindor comes back. He moves to second base. Um, what's interesting about the Mets, they just dropped uh, three of five against... It was a really important series with the Braves. So the Braves go in. I think they're only four out. But the Mets have gone now, guys, 22-24 and 24 over the last 46. They've lost one game. One in the division. And they still are atop that division. So, you know... You, they need a, a guy like a Bryant or a Baez and probably some pitching to help them down the stretch. Well, speaking of pitching, a lot of people wondering, if we're talking about all these Cubs on the move, what's going to happen to Craig Kimbrell? Now, there isn't one specific destination that a lot of people are seeing him tied to, but again, people are wondering if he could end up in the NL West. Well, the Giants and the uh, the Dodgers are both in need of a closer, and I know that Dave Roberts has said, no, Kenley Jansen's fine. We're going to go with him. He's got to say that. Yeah, but he's (laughs) not fine. And that's not the guy you want closing a game in game three of the NLDS uh, against, who would they play? The the Mets, I guess. You You don't want Kenley Jansen in there. It's too much of a risk. So if you're the Dodgers, you want Kimbrell. If you're the Giants... You've kind of had a, a question down there all year long. Now you've had a couple of injuries. Rodgers, the, the other Rodgers, both Rodgers are hurt. And so if you're the Giants, that's probably your biggest need as a closer. I would agree. I, I think he winds up west, and I think it's those two teams. And put out your best package, and let's see what you got. And, and that's how, I, I mean, because they both need, there is a need for him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that ninth inning doesn't become problematic for you immediately when you get him. And the Giants don't have a particularly deep farm system, but they have a couple of really high-end catchers that they could move. And they have, they have an outfielder, Helio Ramos, that they could move as well. But they don't have a, a ton of, the, the, put it this way, their top 30 is not great. Their top four is really good, but their top 30 is not. Pretty amazing how the Dodgers just continue to turn out prospects to be able to make these kind of moves. And the Padres, they did the same yep. thing. I mean, the Padres loaded up their farm system and... It's for development, and it's also for, if you think you're good enough, you give up some of these guys and go get players. Here's a, here, here's a thing for you. This is fun, isn't it? Machado, uh, Tatis, Cronenworth, Frazier, Hosmer, both catchers, Trent Grisham, Pham, Will Myers, Hugh Darvish, Snell, Melanson, 
the Padres don't have an important player on their team that was homegrown. And then incredible. Not one. However, you always go back and say, well, how did you get those guys? And you either spend the money. Yep. Or and you I, make trades. Yeah. Yep. And I think most teams would say, even after COVID and let's get a CBA for next year, it's easier to trade. To just say it's money. Yep. I mean, it's not my money, but it, it's, do you want to give up on the next guy that could help your team at cost control for a number of years? That's a hard thing to do. I mean, prospects are valued now more than ever. Yeah, that's why it's amazing what the Padres have done. Yes. Is because they've gotten prospects from other teams. Cronenworth is a really good player that Tampa Bay had and didn't evaluate him very well. And finally, guys, the Nationals were very active yesterday. As we mentioned, they traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to L.A., Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox. But according to Jesse Doherty, who covers the Nationals for the Washington Post, they're still active and they're shopping offers for other players, including Josh Harrison. Well, BK is going to love that. He's on the Josh Harrison uh, fan club, Presidente, bandwagon, <laughs> whatever it is. He uh, He's going nuts over him. Yeah, I would think he's gone. I think he's making a million dollars this year. So any team that gets him is obviously that's a pittance. That's nothing. Um, I do find the move that they made with Scherzer and Turner in trying to get the, you know whatever they get back. But from the Dodgers' point of view, where it also makes sense for the now and for next year is that Kyle Seeger, now you let him walk. Mm-hmm. He's going to be part of that free agency class of shortstops. Presumably, uh, you let him walk. Turner can play second base. He's even played a little bit of the outfield. And you get a leadoff guy with an 890 OPS right now. Um, and if you don't re-sign Seager, he goes to shortstop. And let's say Bauer doesn't come back next year and his money is off the books. You say that's uh, a replacement. We got uh, this guy named Max Scherzer. I mean, it's it's a really smart deal for Good the now. Planning. Yeah, and for the future. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. That's your hot goss here on 101 ESPN. Nothing like hot goss. The hottest of goss. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. We've talked about it a lot, but now it's getting close to being official. It's I.O. It's almost I.O. Okay. We're get one party has to accept the other's invitation to be I.O. Stand by. The 14 SEC presidents and chancellors <laughs> voted unanimously <laughs> yesterday to extend invitations to Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC. Now, so they've extended the invitation. Do you want to go I.O.? The final formality before they go officially I.O. is that Oklahoma and Texas have to officially accept the offer, which most people think could happen as soon as today. Okay, so essentially what we've got here is that Mizzou and Texas A&M, they are Ben and Oklahoma and Texas are Jen, Jennifer, uh, J-Lo, right? That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. So No, wouldn't it be the other way around since J-Lo posted the picture first? Yeah. I like that you guys use my... I.O. Oh, yeah. Dan, you started a movement with I.O. You're my dogs. So, yeah, I'm saying that uh, they will accept. (laughs) Can you imagine if they said, yeah, we're good. You know, I don't think so. We kind of like the Big 12. We want to stick around here. Uh, But a lot had been made of ESPN and their potential involvement in this. That's where it's going to get sticky. Follow the money. Big, Exactly. As Dan always says, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby accused ESPN of manipulating other conferences to go after the Big 12's members and said that this announcement reaffirms that these plans have been in the works with ongoing discussions between the 
parties and the television partner for some time. ESPN responded to these allegations saying that it engaged in no wrongful conduct. So I'm wondering here, I kind of think Kansas fits in the AAC. Baylor is a great athletic program now. Where does Baylor go? Do they go to the Pac-12? Seems like that's a fit. That's where I thought they'd go. And the pack, I am curious about regionally. KU basketball, what happens with them. And they, they would fit in the AAC because that's a pretty good basketball conference that doesn't really do great at football. I'm also wondering about Iowa State. Where do they go? Because they're... Big Ten. They're middling. That's where they should go. But what are they in the Big Ten? They're, they're, they aren't as good as Iowa in football. They aren't as... But I'm thinking of, of rivalries that you could, you could do that, yeah. have and potentially preserve. Um, and Iowa State's been better in football than some Big Ten yeah. schools over the past decade. So maybe you're Pac-12 and you invite Baylor and Oklahoma State. And maybe maybe KU does go to the Big Ten, even though they would be run roughshod over in football. But they would be a really good basketball program that would be right there at the top with the rest of the the basketball programs in the Big Ten. Even though they are uh, an historic basketball program and they would be in the mix there, I wonder how desirable they are to the Big Ten because their football program is what it is. They aren't bringing you money. Right. Right? You make your money with football. That's why I think AAC for them. But the Big Ten can't go AAC if you're KU. No, that that would be a major hit to their ego. You got to go Big Ten. We're we'll take Iowa go. State and KU. But they go. They get into a conference with Cincinnati and Houston and Temple and the pretty good basketball programs that aren't the strongest football programs. Uh, unless they want to do Big East and just give up on the football thing. I liked uh, Steve Spurrier on Texas and the jump to the SEC. He said, quote, they can't win the Big 12 anyway. Except you got, they can't win the Big 12 anyway. <laughs> okay. Texas can't, yeah. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Steve Spurrier, still, he still has it. He sure does. You're um, killing me, Small. Well, oh, I was no. just going to ask oh, you, so uh, this is supposed to happen in 2025. Their, their agreement, Texas and Oklahoma's agreement with the Big 12 extends through June 30th, 2025. Take it or leave it, you think they move prior to 2025. I'm going to take that. Big 12 gets a bunch For of sure. cash, so the schools split the cash. 2022. Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. How about K-State, guys? Where do they go? Ooh, that's another one. Good question. Yikes. That's actually a more attractive football program than KU. Yeah, no, it is. And their basketball program has done things over the years. That's a good one. I don't know. That is a good one. Maybe they... Do you go Iowa State, K-State, Big Ten? Makes sense. Manhattan, Kansas isn't really... uh, Well, I guess it's as big of college football footprint as Manhattan, New York. Do you yeah, really want to separate? They got Rutgers, Randy. <laughs> I know Texas A&M is probably, not probably, they are upset over what's going on with Texas. Their AD even showed up at the big uh, the uh, SEC media days, and ADs typically do not no. do that. So are, are KU and K-State, are they join at the hip wherever they go because of that rivalry? The television That's market of Kansas City? You know, I mean, I, something to think about, maybe. Could be. Who knows? You're killing me, Smalls. Some news coming out of baseball. 
sad news. So Cleveland Indians manager Terry Francona, he's stepping down for the remainder of this season to address some lingering health issues that he has. He's been wearing a boot on his right foot all season. He underwent surgery for a staph infection that he had mm. back in February. He's also dealing with a hip issue that's going to require some surgery. But this is now the second season in a row that Terry Francona has been sidelined because of his health. I don't know if you guys saw it during the game, but when he would go out to the mound, it was a really slow. I mean, he did not look good mm-hmm. health wise. It was just very deliberate and how he's going out. He's a great guy. I, mm-hmm. I got the chance to interview him multiple times when he was with the Phillies and obviously won with the Red Sox, a couple of championships, probably solidified himself going into baseball's Hall of Fame. It is an interesting time for him to do that because he's, I believe, he just passed Mike Hargrove in Indians all-time wins list. He's number two now. And Lou Boudreau is number one, and I think he's only maybe six back of him. It's five. He's is only five, five yeah. away. So that's kind of interesting that he would do that now. Do you think he's done? Physically, I, 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 I'll say this. The, the Tony La Russa thing is, and I'm, I'm bringing this up, Tony La Russa is, what, 76 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been traveling with the Cardinals for 23 years, not obviously the last two years. I can tell you as a young man, it beats you up, mm-hmm. and I'm not even playing. Right. So I, I can't imagine what it's like for people that have been doing this all their lives and all they've known is travel for 40 or 50 years and getting off of planes at four in the morning and sometimes playing a day game at one. Or a lot of times it's night games on getaway days because it's dictated by television to get the, your best ratings. So there's more night games than you've ever had. It's got to be really hard on those type of people that have had health issues because it's just hard on your body. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And he's only 62. He's 62, right. So hopefully he can get uh, his maladies taken care of and, and come back. Because he's a great manager. He's yes. one of the two or three best managers in the sport. I mean, you look at that team that the Indians have. Now they've got Ramirez, who can play, and a couple other guys that are good. But, I mean, they have not gotten the pitching they thought. They Bieber, Savali have been hurt and he still has them hovering around 500. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're at least they, they had a nine game losing streak. And prior to that, they were in the conversation of being in contention with the White Sox. Now, did I think they were going to catch him? No, but at least with a payroll that has gone from like 120 or 130 down to like 70, something like that. He kept him in contention, kept him around 500. So he's done a nice job. Really nice job. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, we didn't have time to get to this yesterday, but some news coming out of the NFL. Dak Prescott isn't going to throw for a few days. He's working through a shoulder strain, but they say it's not going to be a serious setback for him. But now he's working through that shoulder strain in addition to continuing to rehab his right ankle. But the Cowboys think that he should be fine, and this shouldn't be something that sidelines him for too long. Thank God. I know Dan was concerned, which is why I wanted to mention this. You need to have a healthy Dak. Gotta because, have a healthy Dak. Yeah, because because if you want to win that division, Dak has to be healthy. But that's alarming. Coming off of the leg injury, hopefully uh, he he isn't trying to favor the arm because of the the lack of leg strength that you'd think that he'd have after breaking his leg in two last year. Ouch. Yeah, that ankle, not great. No. Yeah, that that was a, an injury that made you wince. But the Cowboys say he's just not going to throw for a few days and that he didn't throw that much leading into camp. In fact, the Cowboys said he only threw 78 passes in 11-on-11 drills. So just rest for a little bit. Let that shoulder strain heal up, and Dak should be fine. Hang All in there, Dak. Cowboys fans. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Michelle. You got By it. By the way, speaking of good managers, the, the Detroit Tigers, after an 8-19 April, 14-13 in May, 
14 won, nine in a row at home, I yep, think. 14 and 13 in June, 14 and 10 in July. Three consecutive winning months for the Tigers. That's and, impressive. That's very impressive. Yeah. So, and I know they don't play in a very good division, but even with the injuries the Cardinals have, the Cardinals have so many more players than the Tigers do. No question. Um, and that's where it gets interesting. I know we're probably going to talk about it later. If you're looking for signs of hope for the Cardinals, and I know they've got to win probably two out of every three, but starting tonight, your next 15 games against Minnesota, Atlanta, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. Minnesota may trade two of their starters. Uh, the Braves have never been above 500 this year. Kansas City is 11 under 500. However, they are 9-3 and three since the break. They're playing very well. And Pittsburgh traded Adam Frazier. They're 25 below 500, I believe. Richard Rodriguez back into their games would be a nice piece for... The, I, I would imagine Kimbrell goes and maybe teams start to focus on Richard Rodriguez. So you're going to get Flaherty Michaelis back soon. I'm trying to look at the bright side of things and see if there's a silver lining and maybe that's it. What would the late, great Joaquin Andujar have said, Dan? You never know. You never know. You never know. That's right. Uh, thank you, Michelle. You are welcome. Coming up next, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time for the Friday edition of The Fight. Michelle Smallman and Danny Mack are here, and we're going to welcome in a listener who's going to take on Randy Carriker, a.k.a. Megamind, in a sports pr- trivia competition today. Who do we have, Joe? Let me get your mic on there, We Dan. have Joe? Yes, Joe is oh, okay. the listener. Good morning, Joe. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing really well. I hope both of you are doing great. We are doing so well, and it's so nice of you to ask us how we're doing. A lot of times we ask the listener, they don't say anything except I'm doing great. Yeah, and they then don't they're, care about they're us. locked in. And Joe, you That's seem cool. to be very calm moving into this uh, situation. <laughs> well, today is the first day of vacation. You're on the nice. you're in the car with uh, my whole family. So I got my three year old twins and my wife with me. Hey, family! Wow, I got twins. What kind? Are they boys, girls, boy, girl? What do you got? Lucky enough to have one of each, and they are three years old, Joseph oh. and Sophia. Me too. Um, Joseph and, we, and Sophia. We've lived to talk about it. It'll get better, I promise, Joe. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and Joe, what's your wife's name? Uh, her name is Kristen. Kristen. So we've got the whole squad listening, Joe, so no pressure. No pressure. That's right. Where are you going on vacay? Uh, we are on our way down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and nice. we're going to stop in Memphis for some Silky O'Sullivan's for lunch. Awesome. Well, have a great trip and be safe. Thank you. And good luck in the fight today. All right, Joe, here you go. Question number one. The blockbuster trade of the deadline came last night when it was announced that the Nationals would be sending Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers in return for four prospects. Max Scherzer is a three-time Cy Young winner. Which year did he win his first Cy Young award? 2011, 2013, 2016. 2013. Okay. Which team drafted Trey Turner 13th overall in 2014? Was it the Nationals, the Padres, or the Rays? Oh, man. I'm, I'll go with uh, the Rays. 
Question number three for you, Joe. Anthony Rizzo is also on the move. He was traded from the Chicago Cubs to the New York Yankees yesterday, also in exchange for prospects. Which team did Anthony Rizzo make his major league debut with in 2011? Was it the Chicago Cubs, the Boston Red Sox, or the San Diego Padres? The Boston Red Sox. This day, 1959, a pretty big one in Cardinals history. Bob Gibson got his first win and his first complete game against which team? The Cincinnati Reds, the Philadelphia Phillies, or the L.A. Dodgers? Uh, I will say Cincinnati. Okay, score check, score check. Randy waving him in on his way in. How you feel, Joe, now that you've taken the fight? Confidence check from you. I'm just glad I'm going on vacation so I don't have to think about this loss for too long. Uh, yeah, that's right. You, have more confidence, Joe. Come on. Joe, you could win, yeah. but if you lose, you're still a winner because exactly. you're with your family and you're going on vacation. You're going to have some sand in your toes before you know it. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're Cardinals fans. We're all winners. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that. Randy, say good morning to Joe, who's your challenger, but also he's in the car with his wife, Kristen, and his twins, Joseph and Sophia. Hey, uh... Joe and Kristen, Joseph and Sophia, good morning, and thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and it's great to have you with us. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. Uh, Randy, they're on their way to vacation, too. Gulf Shores, Alabama. Love that. Have a great time. Yeah, that's right. All right, Randy. Question number one. The blockbuster trade of the deadline came last night when it was announced the Nationals. They're sending Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers Mm -hmm. in return for four prospects. Max Scherzer is a three-time Cy Young Award winner. What year did he win his first Cy Young? Hmm. He got traded there. He didn't win with one with Arizona. He got traded there in 11, 12. Seems like it might have been. They went to the playoffs in 13, but he didn't obviously go to the World Series. I'm thinking 2013. Final answer? Final answer. Which team drafted Trey Turner 13th overall in 2014? They do a pretty good job at shortstop in uh, San Diego. Padres. Question number three. Anthony Rizzo is also on the move. He was traded from the Cubs to the Yankees yesterday, also in exchange for prospects. Which team did Anthony Rizzo make his major league debut with in 2011? 2011. I don't think he ever played with the Red Sox. I think he may have made his debut with the Padres. This day, 1959, Bob Gibson got his first win, first complete game against which team? This day in 1959, first win, first complete game against which team? Yes, sir. Dan, I will do the lifeline here. Cincinnati Reds, Philadelphia Phillies, L.A. Dodgers. Oh, that narrows it down a bit. (laughs) I am, uh, well, here we are. I'm going to say that the Cardinals probably weren't playing a West Coast team. Maybe they were in late July. Reds and Phillies seem more likely. And I'm going to go geographically, and I'm going to go with the Reds. No, I'm going to go with the Phillies. Phillies. Did Joe get his vacation started off with a W? Emily, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Just win, baby.
Joe, it was so close. It was so close. It was three to two. You did a great job. But Randy snuck yeah. that last one in there and got three correct. And mm. again, to everyone who can't see, Randy celebrating. Dan, not pleased with the celebration. Not happy at all. Not happy at all. So Max Scherzer, three-time Cy Young Award winner. He won his first in 2013. And the team that drafted Trey Turner 13th overall in 2014, it was the Padres. Remember, Trey Turner was off the board. The Nationals had made their first selection uh, I think it was like the 18th pick or something like that. So they wound up getting their man. And that was a, it can be kind of a tough question because that was a three team deal. And we gave you the Nationals, the Padres, and the Rays. And that was the uh, three teams involved. Joe Ross was the guy that really was the signature piece in one of that. And, and also Steven Souza Jr. And baseball had a stupid rule, obviously, that uh, you, when you were drafted, you couldn't be traded right. for a year. So he had to play in the Padres farm system while property of the Nationals. That's correct. And um, let's see, he was... I'm looking at a real quick thing here. He was the organization's minor league defensive player of the year. Had been in the Arizona Fall League and winds up getting dealt. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, speaking of the Padres, Anthony Rizzo made his Major League debut with the Padres on June 9th, 2011. And on this date, 1959, the great Bob Gibson got his first win, first complete game, and it was... You should have stuck with your first one, Randall. Mm-hmm. The Cincinnati Reds won nothing. Gibson, uh, eight hits, three walks, a couple of strikeouts, went the distance in his first of 255 wins. Joe, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing, and have a great time on vacation. I'm sorry, 251. I'm sorry. Thanks. I was thinking 255 complete games. Before, uh, before I get off the phone, if I can I uh, tell Danny Mac, I just I thank you so much for everything you do for the Cardinals. And I know since I'm a little bit younger, I grew up, and Jack Buck reminds me so much of the Cardinals. I'm so thrilled that my kids are going to think of the Cardinals with your voice. And you do such a great job. And thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And if you ever need him to go down uh, early for, you know, sleep or a nap, just <laughs> just put on one of our games and I'll be, they'll be, they'll be fast asleep. I, I, you know what, that means a lot to me more than you know. And I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you very much. You bet. Have a great weekend, guys. Y- you too. I'm kind of a big deal. Not really. We just had this very sentimental moment between yeah, Joe and Dan, and then that. you swoop in with "I'm kind of a big deal," just rubbing the victory in, in Dan and Joe's face. Oh no, Dan is a big deal. You know, I get embarrassed by that stuff, and that was very nice of Joe to say that, and I take it to heart. And you ruined it. Oh, see, I thought you were giving yourself a pat on the back, saying you're a big oh, that's deal because you won the fight. That's yeah, what I, think, I thought. Yeah, I like no, that no, viewpoint no. of it. No, it was it was all about Dan because Dan, as we know, here we go. <laughs> He's he's here today, right? Yeah, he is. Yesterday, he was at the Ascension Charity Classic, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. Well, with I did Delson. the radio show, too. Did the radio show. He's everywhere. Game tonight. Work, 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 work. It's okay. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm, all he does. This is what I like to do. This is a lot of fun. And you're the best at it. Yeah. No, I'm not. Hardest working guy in St. Louis. Not Dan really. Back. Here's the thing, is that not only is Dan an exceptionally hard worker and great guy, just all around terrific there human we being. We love Generous him. guy that brought in donuts this morning. I think this is two weeks in a row he's brought in donuts. He's our guy. He, Danny is our guy. You didn't eat the donuts, though. Not yet. I had a big breakfast. I'm grabbing one to go. Are you okay. kidding? Trust me. Yeah. Randall, you had one? I just had one during the, uh, while well, you guys were reading fight questions. Yeah. <laughs> Emily? Yeah. Well, part of it is if I don't sleep. And last night I did not sleep mm-hmm. at all. So I was up, watched a lot of different stuff. Watched, I think, the rerun of MLB Network twice. The wow. quick pitch and they do all that stuff. Uh-huh. So I watched that. Heidi Watney? 
Heidi was on last night. Yep. Uh, they had a lot from Rosenthal and some others. Um, so I was watching that. You know, it was fun. And then at that point, uh, it was about 4.30. And I was like, ah, oh, the hell with it. I'm getting up. I'm going to make some donuts. And I made donuts. I didn't make the donuts. I paid for the donuts. Did Emily. you watch Heat? No, Heat was not on. <laughs> Although I did watch um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, there oh, you go. There you go. Kelly Which Clarkson. Makes, <laughs> makes me laugh every time. That's a, so. That is a great movie. And it's being replayed, I think, on HBO this month, so I'm watching it. Okay, Randy, I know. we got to go to break. You're no, getting I was just going to say, here we are, July 30th. Happy half-birthday to Joan today. Oh. It's her half-birthday. I got just the present. Uh, she's already got a present. No, no. And you're Dan, not the present. Go oh. ahead. I know. I know what it is. I mean, you go home. Huh? Maybe even get some flowers. You actually be a, she a got husband. A, she got a balloon this morning. So just actually be a husband. And instead of saying, "Hey, would you like to watch the rerun on DVD of the 2011 Game Six, which mm-hmm. is probably what you would do awesome. in its entirety. Yeah, I got it. I mean, that's your idea of being romantic. Yeah. Why? Why don't you go to Schnucks? Go to their floral shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe get. They, they have a great bakery, as you know. Schnucks is awesome. Best proud, bakery in town. Proud supporter of the Danny Mac Show at BK and this morning program as well. Mm-hmm. So you got to go to Schnucks and you do that and then say, hey, Joan, um, I have a, a phone with a great camera. And I think today's the day we go I.O. Well, I'll ask. Happy you half won't birthday. Ask. Let's go I.O. Yeah, let's do it. Come on, baby. You and I, okay. I.O. I, I will. I Instagram will, official. I will make the request on behalf of Danny Mac. I would appreciate that. You got it. Yeah, if Jen and Ben can do it, Randy and Joan need to go I.O. Well, Dan, you can tell the audience, I had you on speakerphone, and we tried to pull this off, and what happened? Uh, she said, leave me alone, <laughs> yeah. basically, and said, why are you calling him about this, Dan? She's not happy. I want to see it happen. We're working on it. Coming up next, Jay Delsing, talking golf on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And on Sunday morning here on this very radio station at 9 o'clock, you will hear from Jay Delsing. It's golf with Jay Delsing. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, and I'm shocked absolutely shocked at the move that Xander Shoffley made at the Olympics last night. Were you keeping an eye on that? I did not see that. I, oh, I, I mean, the last I saw was he drove the par four to about eight feet, and then I think I just drifted off. Uh, that's understandable. It has happened. So the Americans were completely out of it last night, but now Shoffley has a one-shot lead. There were, there were no Americans in the top 12 last night at the beginning of the round, and Shoffley with a huge run, and he now has a one-shot lead at the Olympics. I saw the final scores this morning. I thought there was something dramatic in what he did. Yeah, he. he um, I've been following him. He's a, a, a really interesting good young player that i'm expecting to break through in a major anytime and he has really had the olympics on his radar so good for him it's never easy to play your best golf when you want to play you know when you're when you're hoping to kind of peak at a certain tournament jay the olympics are something that people always have eyeballs on but it was really tough for golf in the olympics because the favorite and john rom who was representing spain and bryson DeChambeau, both withdrew after testing positive for covid19 so from a, a popularity standpoint and a competition standpoint that was a big hit for olympic golf 
Oh my gosh, Michelle! Can somebody explain to me what's going on with John Rahm in a second? Something can't be right. I, I thought I read where he had received one of the two vaccinations, but uh, you know, with the I think with the Pfizer, you need the the, the two shots. I, I don't understand it. I've there, not, nothing I've read's really shed any light on it. It's it's a really odd situation. And then Bryson uh, getting COVID as well is uh, unfortunate because he's just must watch golf when he when he's out there aj a two-part question about the olympics in golf um number one what do the players think about this because it is unique and it's not the pga tour it's not a major but yet it is something that is obviously would mean a ton for so many people in any walk of life any sport that you're participating in to win uh, a gold medal in the olympics so that's number one and number two the courses uh, that they're playing is it just one course or how are they doing it and how competitive are those courses as opposed to what we see and how it's set up for a pga event yeah great question Danny. i, I think it kind of goes across the board when it comes to the olympics uh you get a guy like dustin johnson that's just shown very little interest in playing and either 2016 or this year and um, then you get a guy like Xander Shoffley who couldn't wait. Patrick Reed was uh, DeChambeau's replacement. He was over there immediately. And, um, and Justin Thomas has said this is the coolest thing he's ever done. But, I mean, in a historical perspective, I mean, they hadn't had golf in the Olympics for over 100 years. And so you get a guy probably like Tiger, it'd be interesting if he was, you know, eligible, what he would say and do. You know he'd love to throw a gold medal into that pretty impressive uh, um, cachet of trophies, but I, it, they're, they're still going to fall short of the majors, Danny, for sure, in anybody's wish list sort of thing. And the golf courses in Japan are great. They're a little bit shorter than what we play in the U.S., but they're, that course is in impeccable shape. I have not played that one, but it's, it's in great shape. Uh, it's a little short uh, for U.S. standards and a little bit tight, but you, know, you give these great players a little bit of time to prepare, and they're going to take it down. Hey, Jay, another big day yesterday for the Ascension Charity Classic coming up in September at Norwood Hills Country Club. And having Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson in town and Danny Mack emceed the luncheon, we're getting closer and closer and it's becoming more real than it ever has been. Oh, my gosh, Randy. Yesterday was so cool to have Danny Mack uh, emcee the thing so professionally. He did such a great job. Uh, I walked in and Jack and Tom were sitting there in this this. Um, Lovely woman said, would you like your picture with these guys? I said, oh, hell yeah, I would. So <laughs> I went over there, and I and I started talking to them. And before you know it, we were in a conversation for four or five minutes. I looked around, and there was a line of like six other people that wanted their picture. And these guys were just giving me the hairy eyeball, like, would you move on? Come on, get out of the way. We want to get our picture taken with them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, sorry, guys, I didn't realize that. So I just, uh, Jack Nicholas was talking about how he played pickleball at 81 years old and played in, in 10 minutes had fallen twice and had to go to the hospital get a hip x-ray and unfortunately no broken bones but he was he was great and and to listen to those guys still kind of give each other the barb after all of these years it, it was wonderful they they were talking you guys about the the battle in the sun i think that uh that they called it at um turnberry in 77 and of course watson came out on top and then Tom had the microphone and said, and let's just go to 1982 
when I won the U.S. Open. And Jack's like, wait a minute, why do we have to go from 77 to 82? Why can't we talk about something that happened in between? And I, I think it's because Tom didn't win any majors in between. Them. <laughs> you know what is amazing to me, Jay, and I didn't realize this? Jack Nicholas, 18 majors, knew that. I did not realize he was the runner-up in 19 of them. That's a, I, that. That just was. That was like the Bob Gibson two hundred fifty-one wins, two hundred fifty-five complete games for me. That just floored me. Yeah, Danny's staggering. I mean, when you think about it, and the guy that was sitting next to him yesterday was responsible for about four or five of them. That's right. Uh, and and and, uh, and Jack, I, I just got a kick out of how Tom kept needling Jack, and Jack took it so well. I mean, it was. Uh, he he talked about this one time these guys were playing the 18th hole and they were coming down the stretch and and Tom looked at Jack and goes Jack that's one of the worst shots I've ever seen you hit I can't believe how far right you hit your tee shot and Jack's like yeah I was pretty bad I, I hit away over there in the bushes and and uh, mm-hmm. but he still wound up making birdie I think or something so it it was very lively and hats off to Ascension right I mean they're putting on this show and uh, Danny what about the fact that Ascension bought 27 brand new sets of clubs for the diversity golf uh, movement. And I mean, they just keep stepping up to the plate and knocking it out of the park. Yeah. They're, they're doing such great things. And um, we should mention that last year when COVID hit, so the tournament didn't take place and they still wrote checks for charity and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but it was over $600,000 and they were the first to do that. I believe of any tour event. So champions tour, PGA tour that said, Hey, we understand that these charities um, are counting on us and we're, we're not going to let you down. So they didn't, and they still stepped up and did that. Our understanding is too, is now the, the corporate support here in St. Louis has gotten really behind it. Now, I think part of that maybe is because of the success of what happened at Belle Reve, and they know that this is a great sports town and people will support it, but we're also getting closer to the event. Now, I think it's the 11th is when they have Tom and Jack back to play in the nine-hole event, and then you've got the actual tournament late September, but I think, generally speaking, people are getting really excited about it and uh, and support it because those three charities in North County are, are getting a lot of funds uh, directed their way, and it's a huge thing. Oh, my gosh, uh, 100%. Everything you said, I think, is, is spot on. I called the office in Jacksonville and said, has anyone ever, has an entity ever donated money before they ran an event? And they said, we don't have, it's not a record we keep, but we don't think anyone's ever done that before. So Ascension's leading the way. And you guys, what's really going to be neat, the event's not going to be the same magnitude as what happened at Bell Reeve. That was off the charts. It was a major championship and the regular tour. But we've sold over 57 skyboxes and cabanas to the business community. And there's Club 314. There's the two pro-ams. The the PGA Tour champions players are going to be blown away at what Norwood Hills looks like and how the course is going to be set up and the spectators that are going to be there. It just doesn't happen that often for the champions tour guys. Jay, what do you have coming up on the show on Sunday? We just have uh, story time with Pearly. We, we start talking, tell, tell a few stories. We kind of get lost in those things, and um, we've had some pretty good um, responses, so we're kind of slipping one of those uh, in this week. That's always fun. Hey, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Love being with you guys. Have a great day. You too. That is our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Yes, Dan. Uh, the, the three charities mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention were um, for people that were, it's 
It's helping a lot of inner city kids in diversity. So is Mary Grove Residential Facility for Children and Teens, uh, Urban League of Metropolitan St. Louis, and the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater St. Louis. So it's, it's making a difference. That's great. Mike Sando has his annual quarterback tiers out. We're going to talk to the Athletics' Mike Sando about who the best quarterback in the NFL is right now. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. Danny Mack has stepped out for a moment. He will return. Mike Sando of The Athletic each year interviews tons of NFL executives and coaches to develop a, a tier system of NFL quarterbacks. And Mike is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. His annual article came out a couple of days ago at The Athletic. You need to check it out. And if you don't have an athletic subscription, you need to go get it. Uh, Mike, it's first of all great to have you, and it's always good to hear your voice. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. Same. I really like getting on with you guys, and uh, we've done it for a number of years. Well, Mike, when I saw your quarterback tears piece came out, there were two names that I wanted to look for immediately. And the first one was Josh Allen. I was wondering if after his performance last year, if he might make a leap up into the first tier. He's still a tier two quarterback, but he did get 20 tier one votes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the feedback that you got from a lot of people in the league say that Josh Allen has the potential and the abilities to be a tier one quarterback. He's just got to do it consistently. Yeah, that basically he played at that level last year, but because there were some ups and downs before that, let's just see another year of that type of production. Then we'll anoint him into that exalted realm where Rodgers and Mahomes and Brady and Russell Wilson have been kind of year after year. Obviously, no surprise with Rodgers and Mahomes actually being tied for first this year, Mike. But did anybody surprise you, whether where they were at the top or at the bottom of the list? Did did anybody not fall where you thought they would fall? Yeah, I really didn't know going in what people would do with Justin Herbert and especially Joe Burrow because Herbert obviously played the year, um, and so I thought he would do well. But they both got into Tier 2. Joe Burrow only played 11 games. You know, his stats weren't amazing. I think he had 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. But people who watched him and and played against him especially really just sort of felt like he was a real guy and that, that he was really accurate, he was really tough, the team responded to him. And unless the Bengals kind of screw it up, he actually could be a Tier 1 guy, you know, maybe not this year, but in the near future. Mike, the second guy that I wanted to look for was Justin Herbert, based on what we saw out of him. I was very curious to see what tier he would fall in. And I want to talk about Joe Burrow, too. So based on the feedback that you got on those two guys, Herbert and Burrow, and I know the injury obviously plays a part in it, but which young quarterback out of those two guys do you think is best positioned to get to tier one in their career? Um, That's a great question. I may actually lean towards Herbert at this point because – because of the Cincinnati factor and because uh, Burrow did have a bad injury. And I think Herbert just physically, um, you know, watching him may have just the, the, I don't know if it's the greater overall, just physical presence to him. But I mean, I, I wouldn't just be yelling that from a mountaintop that I think he's going to be way better. I just sort of say that because you asked, you know, I think they're both have bright futures. 
Mike, the the one guy that really surprised me, because it's been back-to-back years now, was Ryan Tannehill landing at 13. He'd led the league in a passer rating two years ago. This past season had 33 touchdowns, seven picks. Do you think that one of the reasons that he's at number 13 is because their offense is so dependent upon Derrick Henry? Yeah, I think you could really look at some of the uh, quarterbacks who you who have really good stats and and maybe didn't finish as high as you would think, and they're they're kind of the the quarterbacks that have the really special running backs that people game plan for defensively. So Dalvin Cook, you know, is, it really changes the way people play Minnesota. Derrick Henry changes the way people play Tennessee, and I think. Also, Tennessee is a very run-heavy team. So when people look to try to give quarterbacks the right amount of credit, they look for some things like, okay, are you able to win without having a good defense? And Tannehill did that. I mean, that's really good. That's why he's in Tier 2. But are they putting it on your shoulders week after week? Or are there other factors that are really making your job easier, like you're handing it off more, you're not in the pure drop-back passing game, there's a lot of play action, And, oh, by the way, the defense has an extra guy in the box because they're really more worried about that running back than they are you as the quarterback. Mike, as you know, we don't have an NFL team here in St. Louis anymore. So our show wanted to adopt an NFL team. Randy and I whittled it down to four, and then we let our listeners vote. So we are officially a Miami Dolphins show now. So, of course, I had to scroll and see where Tua Tunga Vailoa fell. And I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling. And I finally (laughs) land on number 29 for Tua, a Tier 4 player. And I have to tell you, some of the quotes you have from evaluators aren't that glowing about Tua and his ability. So. As a Miami Dolphins show, how concerned should we be about Tua? Well, I think pretty concerned, you know, and that's almost ridiculous on the surface because he's hardly played. Um, But I think when you watch him, you're wondering, does he really have a special differentiating trait, right? Is the best you can hope for with him that he's just solid? And, uh, you know, they had a real vivacious guy and former Rams quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick and obviously you're not going to sign a long-term deal to make him be your future but it was almost like some wind went out of their sails when they took him out of there and now you have a real low-key guy into a who um, you know isn't necessarily going to rally the troops and then didn't play great while by the way Justin Herbert looks like he's setting the league on fire so as we've seen before I'm not going to classify him with Mitch Trubisky because I think he's better than that but when you're in a draft class where there's other guys that look like they're going to be superstars and you are taken ahead of them or right with them um, it can be a lot to overcome so I guess the good news is they got draft capital and stuff so if they have to make a decision they can maybe get back in line but um, you know you're not just looking at that going wow that was a Justin Herbert type year let's see more you're sort of have your fingers crossed and it sure does tell us a lot about the difference in playing quarterback in college and the pros, doesn't it? Because nobody ever said tank for Justin Herbert. They were, they were tanking for Tua. And you look at a guy like Josh Allen, nobody really talked about him. And Tua did play in a great system. But people were talking about him before he got hurt being the number one pick in the draft. It just goes to show you, doesn't it, that you never know about quarterbacks. Absolutely. I always joke that the two most important things in football are the head coach and the quarterback, and no one knows how to pick either one. You know? <laughs> uh, I do think once they're in the league, people evaluate them pretty well. You know, I, that, That's why I don't even include rookies in the quarterback tiers thing, because it's just 
too hard, but once you get a feel for them in playing, now everybody realizes they want Mahomes, right? <laughs> everybody realizes they it's easy once you see them in the NFL, but it's a hard thing to project um, how they're going to do and how anyone's going to respond. Just think of anything in hiring. When you hire somebody, even when they're a, you know, a, a bright young person, you don't know how they're going to respond to different things that happen to them in their, their lives. That's just huge human nature you know no doubt mike sando with us he's from the athletic and he has his quarterback tears article out you can check it out at the athletic right now ben roethlisberger falls all the way to 16 and as you'd mentioned he had been in the top tier or in the top two tiers for a significant period of time do you think that a lot or maybe most of his drop to number 16 overall, he'd never ranked lower than eighth previously. you think the drop is really based on six football games? I think it has a lot to do with it and the feeling that you know, this happened a little bit to uh, Tom Brady after he left New England. You know, when, when they sense you're nearing the end from an age standpoint, it's going to not get better. And I think one of the concerns with Roethlisberger is, unlike the Bradys and the Rogerses, those guys almost look leaner and more athletic now than when they came into the league. You know what I mean? They really are obsessed with with their bodies, and and uh, you know I don't think we would say, you know, Roethlisberger. People don't have that same, you know, impression of him that he's he's maybe a little bit more of a gamer, you know, seat of your pants type guy. And when now that things aren't as good around him. Um, could he fall off quickly? So we'll see. Maybe he plays with a chip on his shoulder and they get things figured out. But, um, you know, they were great on defense last year, too, when they were winning. And I think, you know, people realize that. Uh, Mike, I want to talk about the curious case of Jimmy Garoppolo. As you mentioned in your piece, he has he's only started more than six games in the regular season just once, which is a problem when you're trying to evaluate him. But he's a guy who has had success in the times that he's been out on the field. But it doesn't seem like people are all in on him or really think that he can evolve into somebody that they should take a gamble on. So when I see Jimmy Garoppolo as the number 21 quarterback tier three guy, do you think he's better than people think he is? Or do you think he's been a product that has benefited from the system? Um, I I think that there's two factors that are working against him beyond just being injured. One is in the Super Bowl, it was really perceived that when they could have gotten more aggressive and Mike marched it a little bit, they instead went in a turtle shell. You know, and that when the head coach Kyle Shanahan reveals sort of the league what he thinks of his player by not being aggressive and playing cautiously uh, in that Super Bowl game, that's going to really that that's telling um, to to people. And so I think that's part of um, that's part of the evaluation. And then that other part is the context we talked about with Tannehill and some of the others. It is a real quarterback friendly system where you're putting the ball in the belly of the running back a lot. There's a lot of play action. There's a lot of things that make the quarterback's job easier. You know, just think, I referenced March, but a really hard thing for the quarterback is to just drop back and pass all the time. You know, not faking the handoff, just a drop back pass game. That is not what the 49ers do. And so um, people know that, and they know that it's sort of gamed for the quarterback. And, uh, you know, it makes it harder for the quarterback to rise in these rankings. Hey, Mike, I want to circle back to the Dolphins and Tua and to your top guy on the tier, which is Aaron Rodgers. 
if Tua does fail, as your experts anticipate that he will, do you think there's a team better positioned in terms of need, climate, draft capital to go out and make a move for Rodgers than Miami? Well, Philly could have three number ones. So, you know, some of this is going to be determined by where uh, Rodgers wants to go to, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he could sort of make it difficult if he said, I'm not reporting. You know what I mean? I won't go to this this type of a place. But from a draft capital standpoint, I think Philly would be interesting. You know, one that's interesting to me is uh, New Orleans. I felt like if Breeze had retired a year ago, that Brady might have landed there. And that's a good place to play indoors. They're always looking to add players. And uh, they have Sean Payton, right? They have a history, uh, sort of an infrastructure there. So that's a place we've heard a lot about Denver, you know, and like I said, some of it geographically could just be predicated too on what Rogers thinks works for him. I don't know if you saw today, he's got a big cap number next year that gives him some leverage. Yeah. Well, Mike, finally, we wanted to ask you about former Mizzou Mizzou quarterback Drew Locke. You have him at number 31, Tier 4 quarterback. And one of the things that really popped out to me in the assessment that a lot of these evaluators said about Drew Locke was you have that an offensive coach called Locke casual in his attention to details of the position. We know that the arm strength is there, that he's athletic. Does it seem like for Drew Locke, some of the stuff is mental or maybe off the field that he needs to work on for it to all come together for him? Yeah, that that's sort of what's, if you read between the lines, that that's kind of the impressions that people have. We don't have as much to go on with him uh, because he hasn't played, uh, you know, a ton. But he, I don't think he's just made the, obviously, the overwhelming positive um, impression. And sometimes you get with guys that aren't drafted in the top, you know, 15 of the draft or whatever, uh what people think about him in college, not everybody is going to be as high on him, right, coming out. So some of that can color the uh, – it can present something that the guy has to overcome. There could be some of that with a player um, like Drew Locke. But I think, you know, what I was struck by was that, you know, with him and with Teddy Bridgewater, I think most of the people, would, if they were Vic Fangio, would feel like, to save my job, I might trust Bridgewater more. Mm-hmm. Mike, it's always a great piece. It's always a great read. We thank you for joining us, and we advise people to go to The Athletic and check out Mike Sando's quarterback tiers, the 2021 NFL quarterback tiers. 50 coaches and evaluators rank the league's starters. Have a great weekend, sir, and we'll talk to you as camp and as the season unfolds. Thank you, and go Dolphins, right? Yes, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Mike Sando of The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, another former Blackhawk coming to St. Louis to try to help the Blues win a Stanley Cup. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Blues at full strength. Waits for reinforcements. Plays it up high. Backhands a pass there for Murray. Into the slot. Backhands. Chasing, he got away from Dumba. He drives right to the goal. He scores! Brandon Saad out-muscling Dumba in the neutral zone. He got into the net on Stalock. Deep around him. Bang! 2-0. All the way up to the puck. Three seconds. Here's Saad. One shot. He scores! In the final second of the first period. 
Todd, now a member of your St. Louis Blues, signing a five-year deal worth $22.5 bucks yesterday. Hey, how about the music coming back, huh? It's pretty fabulous. That was awesome. Very I nice. I am fired up for Brandon Sod. Not sure if I'm going to a club or having uh, dinner with my grandma, although my grandma's dead. But if I mm. if she was alive, it's kind of got, got a little yeah. older feel to <laughs> it, too. Club, club vibe, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Your, your grandma likes beats like this? Well, Sick I don't know. It, it has a little slower beat to it, too. I can see where it's, well, now it's picking up. Yeah, no, that's not grandma Is this right what there. So you listen to when you're having no pork steaks with grandma. <laughs> now it's kind of settling in. We're having a nice dinner. Sod, who played for the Blackhawks, played for the Avalanche on coming to St. Louis. What He's is, excited. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's something that uh, I'm looking forward to getting this, to know the city a little bit better because when you play there, you're kind of in and out, and you don't get to see all parts of the city, but. Uh, I've heard great things, and obviously they're a great hockey team that I'm looking to, forward to joining and having another chance of winning and, and have that success. So I think all the ingredients are there, and um, it, it's a team that definitely excites me, that's for sure, so I'm happy to be a part of it. And he did win two Stanley Cups as a member of the Blackhawks, and now he joins a team that, well, at least the, the logo was a Stanley Cup champion just two years ago. You know, I think that experience, it's – it's hard to come by. So anytime you can join a team that's had success, especially recently, uh, they know what it takes to win and they kind of have that mentality. I think that's huge and, and uh, something that, uh, like I said, you can't really put a price on that experience. To me, guys, if you replace Jaden Schwartz, and I'm a big Jaden Schwartz fan, but you replace him with Brandon Saad, who scores more, that's an upgrade. Saad is responsible defensively. He'll He's a guy that will get in on the forecheck, does a lot of the things that Jaden Schwartz does, but he's bigger and is more gifted in terms of scoring goals. And he, you lose some experience, but you gain some experience, as yeah. Brandon Saad just said, because we know that he won with the Blackhawks. And it doesn't matter where you win. If you've gone through the gauntlet that is the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know what it takes to come out a champion. And so not only are you, from a financial standpoint, in a good position with this signing, you're getting a little bit more production and you're still retaining experience. So he's 28. Yeah. And he's already had two cups under his belt with the, the Hawks. So... To your point about the money, though, I, I kind of like it. You got a little bit younger, and if you compare it to Schwartz, you're about a million under mm-hmm. what he would have uh, or what he's getting now with Seattle. So it's a very reasonable uh, AAV. It's about $4.5 million, and I would insert him right away, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, and Saad. And then, all of a sudden, you've got a second line of uh, you, you can put Shen on left wing, which with uh, Bushnikov, Bushnevich, Bushnevich, whatever his name is, I'll Paolo figure it out. But I'll, I'll by, the, by the time we get Bucci. there, should we just call him Booch? Booch, So Thomas at center, center, and Booch. So that's your number two line. And then, depending on what happens with ninety-one, you will have Sunquist and Kairu dropping down to the third line, and maybe Costin or. Wait until see what you see what you get for Vladimir Tarasenko. But because you're able to move Shen down, I think it really helps things out. Uh, JR had some projected lines in his piece at The Athletic, and he had that second line of Kairu, Shen, and Buchnevich. That'd be interesting. And then he moves Robert Thomas down to the third line? The third line, he has Barbie, Thomas, Sonny. See, that, that'd be interesting, too. And I wonder who would play center, because the Blues have been so insistent on Robert Thomas being a top six guy. And I wonder if this move 
causes them nothing wrong with having Robert Thomas be a, a number three center or Sunquist be a number three center. I kind of like the idea. It really does change the dynamics. The the one move of signing Saad changes the dynamics of what the lines are. It really does. It gives you a little bit more flexibility, right? Don't you think, though, that if you sign him and you give him a five-year deal, he he immediately goes to your top line? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. You would like to think that that would work out, and there's a sim... uh, some type of uh, synergy between the the group. Obviously, you have that with O'Reilly and Perron. I mean, those guys know where the other one is on the ice at all times, it seems like, and Saad would be the perfect fit for that. So get those greasy goals, too. That's I kind of yeah. like that with Saad He'll get some on that of those. line. Now, this is a guy, Brandon Saad, that, hey, let's be honest about it. He was a Blackhawk. We hated him. That's right. So have any of his uh, former teammates, like that creep Brent Seabrook, <laughs> called him about joining St. Louis? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I haven't heard from from many of them, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely different. You know, you go to battle for so many years, and then uh, the business side of it, you end up on the other side. So uh, it's definitely a little weird, but uh, I'm excited to put on the jersey for sure. Yeah, Sodder joining the fast lane yesterday here on 101 ESPN. Sodder already, huh? Yeah, Sodder. Like it? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's what would yours be though? You already character. Uh, RK. Jimmy Thomas always calls me Karak. So the, the okay, Karak. Yeah, you'd be Smalley. Smallzy, maybe. Smallzy. I would yeah, probably Smallsy. be. I'd probably be in a in a hockey dressing room. I'd be Cracks. Cracks. Yeah. Might be Cracks. Yeah. Emily would be Butchie. But- yeah, Butchie. No do- <laughs> yeah. no devoted. No devoted. Emily Butchie. You got to go Butchie. What yeah. would your be? Be Maxie or no, I, I, Danny Mac. Mac. Everybody just, just Mac. Yeah, everybody. Oh, just Mac. Yeah, Mac's yeah, a good she, she, one. Uh, Mac McKecker and his Mac. We yeah. need to ask Jamie Promo Rivers code, uh, on IPromise.com. Get fifty percent off Mac. Cha-ching. But yours is a tough one, Randy. We need to ask Jamie Rivers from the fast lane. We need to shoot him a note and say, what would Randy Carricker's hockey nickname be? We'll see if we can find that out. Yeah, I'm not sure what you would be. I think RK. I can live with that. Yeah, that's pretty what, good. Pretty much what everybody calls me. Yeah, so that's good. But mm-hmm. but you like the the S Y the C on the end, like small Z or yeah. you know we'll sad Z. And hopefully the Blues will have a move coming forth today in regards to Vladimir Tarasenko. We will Vladdy. see if that happens. Vladdy, Vladdy. Yeah, that <laughs> is it's got to happen by um, this weekend. Yeah. I would think. You've, you've got a little clarity now on what you're doing. How do you guys like the idea of giving away some Cardinal tickets for the uh, game next Tuesday against the Braves? I love that idea. Is that the Bohart? Uh, it's a Bohart giveaway. Oh, the Budweiser Bash? It is, yes. yes it I is. love those. At the ballpark. And what we need you to do is text in because we're going to play another game and we're going to find out uh, how Danny reacts to some calls. If he if he knows calls, that's what we're, what we're going to find out coming up. What? Yep, we are. You didn't tell we're, me about this we're segment. We're playing a game, and you are going to be the participant. You're, All right. And uh, we want you to text in 65780 because if you want to win the tickets, you need to uh, predict what Dan is going to do. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mack is going to hear 10 baseball calls, famous baseball plays, and he's going to hear the calls. And the player is going to be 
bleeped out. So he will not hear the player. So he'll have to guess the player, and he'll have 10 that he'll have to guess. Eric and Jeff and Jay are all on the line, and in that order, they get to guess how many of these calls Mm. Dan will get (laughs) correct. And this is going to be a fun game. And by the way, the winner is headed to the Budweiser Bash Tuesday night at the ballpark. A four-pack of tickets for the Cards and Braves. And you get a Bohart bobblehead out of the deal as well. All right, Eric, Jeff, and Jay. Jay. So, Eric, thank you very much for joining us, checking in. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? Everything's great. How many of these calls do you think Dan will know the player of? I think he'll know seven. All right. Seven. Good call. Jeff, thank you very much for playing today. How many do you think Dan will get correct? Uh, Dan is, has a passion for what he does. He's a baseball junkie, so I have mm-hmm. confidence that he will get nine. All right, nice. Jeff, good call. A lot of pressure. All right. And uh, Jay, certainly not uh, least, but last, because it's, we, we called him last. Uh, Jay, so you, you can pick between zero and ten, but you can't pick seven or nine. All right. Well, first of all, happy Friday, guys. Same to you. And happy secondly, Friday. Uh, let's see. Danny Mac is a student of the game. My first thought was nine, but uh, the other dude took it, so I'm going to go with eight. All right. Eight it is. Dan, if you hear this sound after you make your guess, that's a good thing. All right. If you hear this sound after you make your guess, that's... A bad thing. Gotcha. All right. Emily has the calls. Roll the tape, please. And here's number one. <laughs> From Eckersley. Gibson. Swings and a fly ball to deep right field. He's got to be a home run. run. Yep. All right. And uh, the Dodgers have won the game by the score of 3-2 to two on a home run by Gibson. I can't believe what I just saw. I can't believe what I just saw. All okay. right. One for one. All right. Hit 42 home runs during Edmonds. the regular season. No, you got it. <laughs> Don't do that. Sorry. I was just playing. Just playing. All right. Danny is two for two. Here we go with number three. And the three-two pitch. Swung on a drill to right field. Going back Sanders on the track at the wall. See ya. See ya. See ya. A home run by he punched his fist in the air as he rounded first. Danny is three for three. Someone should have picked ten. <laughs> <laughs> Dan is cruising through this game. Oh, it's going to get tougher. Here's the next. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. Joe Carter, you'll never hit a bigger one. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Thank you. All right, here's the next. Six deals. From high. It's a deep. Bonds. Dan is five for five. He doesn't even need to hear the whole call. He doesn't even need to let it breathe. Krupp and Kuiper, they're great. It's at high. That was Barry 756 breaking Hank Aaron's all-time record. Into right center in the seats. Roll the tape, please. And here comes the 2-2 pitch. Down the fastball, swung on, and hit the deep center field. Bernie Williams goes back, and it is... Get off the Ken Griffey! I'm not going to go Ken Griffey, though. I'm going to go Jay Buhner. Dang it. I know it's Seattle. 
Edgar Martinez. Yeah, I should have known that. Roll the tape, please. Five and one. Pretty good. Jim, tell me. There you go. I called his well 497 or 498. Did you? A few days before that, I was doing a national game. And I, uh-huh. yeah, anyway. So Very Danny nice. Mac up to six now. So this is where it gets interesting. Six out of seven. Eric has guessed Dan will get seven, correct? Jay guessed eight and Jeff guessed nine. So here we, here we go. Roll the tape, please. Knock me down. Hello. Goodbye. Ron Hell Ravello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't knock down Ron Hell Ravello. You do not do that. And then he hits the, uh, the then he hits the longest home run of the year in Colorado. Okay, so that is seven. So That's if seven. Dan misses the last two, I can't believe Eric I missed Edgar Martinez. Will be the winner. Very upset about that. Roll the tape, please. Looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one deep left field. That goes Upton back near the wall. It's out of here. <laughs> Has done it! The impossible has happened! Bartolo Colon in San Diego, Gary Cohen with the call. <laughs> All right, so Eric is off the board with seven. Jay, it comes down to Jay and Jeff now, what are we right? At? Eight or nine? You, you're eight and one. Oh, if okay. you miss this one, Jay wins. If you get this last one, Jeff wins. That'll be fine. Roll the tape, please. <laughs> Into deep left center from Mitchell. We'll see you tomorrow night. Kirby Puckett, Jack Buck with the call. His partner was Tim McCarver, Minnesota Twins. Well done, Dan. Well done. Thank you. It's just a party all around. Wow. Is that it? Yeah, That's you won. You went nine it. and one, and you won Jeff some tickets to the Cardinals game. I'm very upset. I am sorry uh, to Jay that I missed Edgar Martinez because I knew that one. It was a Hall of Fame announcer in Seattle. Yeah. So it's either Martinez, Dave Niehaus, Peter, right? Dave Niehaus, or it was Griffey. And I was thinking you were going to give me the Brent Musburger call of going around first against the Yankees in 1995 when Buck Showalter, that was his final year. And Musburger, and Griffey! Remember how he does it like that? It was, it was really because Martinez hits it down the line and Griffey scored from first and then he could really run. So that was fame. That's the game that really saved. Seattle from moving. Right. Really, that team did. Great call by Jay. Dan got nine. Jay guessed nine. So Jay on his way to the Cardinal game against the Braves on Sunday or Tuesday night, and uh, he's going to have a great time. I, I Jay, is he still on? Jay, congratulations. In, uh, enjoy your time, and I guess that includes the Bo Hart uh, situation, too? It does. Awesome. Bo's a great dude. Yep. You'll really enjoy that. He's a fun guy. I think Jay's with us, right, Emily? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Well, Jay, have fun at the ballpark and uh, enjoy the Budweiser Bash with Bo. Hey, thanks, Danny. Good job. Thank you, and thank you for your faith in me. <laughs> and if Lots you... of faith. You're a student of the game. <laughs> I love right. the game. That's Perfect. Right. All right. So, Jeff, a winner on 101 ESPN. And if you want tickets to the game, all you need to do is go to cardinals.com slash promotions. Cardinals.com slash promotions. The Atlanta Braves will be in town. I, I wonder what the Braves are going to look like. I think they're lying in the weeds. They're going to make some moves today. I think, well, they have to. They gotta, they're got they going to get Darno back. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there was some news about Marcelo Zuna potentially maybe coming back. I don't know if they could get that done by the end of the year, and who knows what kind of shape he's in and what he's been doing baseball-wise, but they need Chris Bryant Yeah, mm-hmm. in the worst way. Jeff Passon has not tweeted since 6.08 this morning. That's when he said, uh, would a diet Mountain Dew good enough for 6.08 to get me going? Something yeah, like as, that. He said, it's 6.08 a.m., too early to take your first sip of diet Mountain Dew for the day. Yeah. Like I said, I've been up um, like for a long time, so I was reading Twitter. Which makes your performance there all the more impressive. Well, I appreciate that, Michelle. You're a gamer, Dan. I'm very, I'm not happy with myself. I should have gone 10 out of 10. Should have got that. It was close. Uh, when we come back, by the way, I have heard from our team at Jamie Rivers, ah. and I have a hockey nickname for one Randy Carricker. I look forward to that, RK. And one Thank other you, quick note, this one from Ken Rosenthal. Actually, and John Heyman. John Heyman saying that Zach Davies is a target for the Mets, as Greg Amzinger suggested this morning, who remain most focused on pitching, but his more high-profile teammates, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez, are also Mets possibilities. Ken Rosenthal saying hearing a combination deal, Davies and one of the two position players is a possibility, but nothing close at this point, and the deadline is at 3 o'clock St. Louis time. And a a lot of teams will say, okay, you you want Baez, you want Bryant, yeah, we do. Well, you got to take this guy, too. And that, that sometimes happens. But if you look at the Mets, they do need pitching and they need a bat. So it would be a fit for them. But you get the real one of the real big fish. That's for sure. That's Dan. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. And we're going to cross things over towards the Danny Mac Show. And we're going to get my nickname next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Just wondering during the break, <laughs> what Larsa Pippen's up to with the basketball season now over and now the draft. Well, maybe she was spending some time on the draft last night trying to figure out some prime who, uh, who the next target's going to be, right? <laughs> Fresh crop. Yep. She'll be 47. Oh, a lot of one and done. So a lot of 19 year olds available for Larsa. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's what. Well, it, it was set up, though, by me saying. You'll follow me here, Michelle. It's the Kevin Bacon tree here. I said, you know, you make me laugh, Randy, because um, he he says, I'm going to Schnooks after this. Got to do it for Joan's half birthday. And I said, got to go I.O. dog. And uh, and then it made me think. I said, "It, it just I do think about this with Randy. Back in the day, I was Randy's producer. He was awesome. He was great. I call him one of my biggest influences of my career. And I mean that. And so um Randy, I'd be pr- like running the board for Cardinal Baseball or something, and Randy be coming in to do Sports Open Line, and he'd always have like a stack of like, you know, the two. Th- well, it was before 1995 um, stat guide, and you know there might be something on the football draft, and but it was a stack about a half foot, you know, stacked mm-hmm. up of notes, and just it looked like just a a hurricane went through his desk, and he grabbed it, and there'd be we ba- we go back to the days of reel to reel tape, and the reel-to-reel tape would be dragging about 10 feet behind him with some interview that he wanted to run that he taped during the game. And I said, how have we gone from that? Me producing for you um, and talking about how we're going to get a great show and I'm running carts. There was not the computers. We're running carts and figuring out our breaks to 
you looking at me and going, God, I got to get to Schnook so I can go I.O. I mean, how have we gone? And then then I said, it makes me laugh when I think of that and Larsa Pippen. I oh. said, who's that Pippen? And he goes, oh, Larsa? And then he's talking about a fresh crop of draft picks for Larsa. Randy loves Larsa Pippen. I know he does. You get a, a fascination well, with that and Larsa's death. got it going. A fascination mean, with that and death. It's you, yeah. baby. Yeah. And little did you know, Dan, when you were working with Randy back then, that you'd be trying to get him to go I.O. and talking about Scottie Pippen's ex-wife yeah. posting yep. things on Instagram. Well, back in the day, Scottie Pippen, because I remember being there one day. Um, see if this sounds right, Randy, where we, Princess Diana, the news broke that she had uh, passed away in the car wreck. Yep. And that was when Pippen and Jordan were in their heyday. And I think they had... I don't know if this is right. I don't know why I remember this, but we were in the sports office when that happened. I know that for sure. But did they win the championship that night? Or, like, it was a big game, though, in the NBA Finals. Does that sound right? It could have been, yeah. Yeah. Cardinals were in Kansas City. I do remember that, too. Yeah. But I don't remember if it was in June. But that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think think we had the anniversary of her death last month, right? So that makes sense. Oh, yeah, you're right. So Um, I just remember us breaking into... News and yep, everybody's going well, nuts. Anyway, yeah. what's the nickname, Michelle? All what right, do you got? Is, and this is from uh, Jamie. This is from Jamie Rivers. Is, so it, is it a clean name? It is. Oh, I good. can't say right. it on air. And Mine so if, is if it. it comes from our teammate Jamie Rivers, you know it's official. Okay, this is hockey. Randy, this is a hockey nickname. I said, what would Randy Carricker's hockey nickname be? Jamie Rivers checking in. He said it would be Carrie or Cracker, which is Carricker modified. K R A C K E R. Cracker. Or Carrie, K-A-R-E-Y. Yeah, Perico is Perry, but so is Peron Perry. I think it's Carrie. Carrie. Okay. Carrie. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, like, totally, the, I like it yeah. to end in a Y. I can totally see that. You know, uh, Carrie, Carrie. I had yeah. to talk to Tim Peel, our referee. He's Peelzy. I was over there with Peelzy, and Carrie was offside, although I, I look at you as being more of a defenseman. Rugged. Defenseman, uh, so yeah. Because of the blackout, yeah. yeah. cracker, yeah, banging people against the Could boards, yep. maybe yeah. fighting a lot, rage blackout, a exactly. cracker across the face. He hits him with the cracker. There's no yeah. doubt that the rage blackout would be, be part of my game. I, you I think it's gone, the you, part of your game. You would have gone off on Keenan during an intermission or something. You would have gone crazy. Yes, I would have. You're right. You would have rallied the boys yeah. and said, "Carrie ain't putting up with this no more." If, if he would have been my <laughs> coach. He might have got punched right in the face. Wow, square in the face. I wonder how close he... Well, going back to those days, and maybe you recall this, I don't. I bet Jamie Rivers would know for sure. But um, how many times guys wanted to just... Well, first of all, they, you know they wanted to get after him, but how many times they were held back, physically held back or separated from yeah. Mike Keenan? I'll bet it happened more than we would guess. I think it happens more in yeah. sports in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just you never hear about what it if it? it's behind the scenes in a yeah. clubhouse or locker room or whatever. I do think that one thing that would have happened if I had any ability to skate or play hockey enough to be in the NHL, and I would have been that rugged defenseman that you guys are talking about, Brian Marchman tried to end careers. I would have ended Brian Marchman's career. I think you have a guy on every team. Ryan Reeves was traded last night, yeah. by the way. He yeah. went to the Rangers, I believe. I think there's a guy on every team where they would, um, you know what, they, they, they'd be that guy you'd say, hey, go take care of that. We can't have that. I mean, no. you have that anyway, but it's it doesn't seem to be as prevalent. Maybe I'm wrong. But the thing is, like Twister and Chaser, they played by the code. I would be outside the code right. You'd like Marchmont was. I was just going to say, is there a comp that we can a have? Brother. Randy Carricker would have been this guy. 
but with a little bit more edge or something. Is there a hockey player that you would have had a good comparison to? I would have. I, I think McSorley, but I would not have chased somebody down like McSorley did. But Marty's job was to protect Gretz. Right, right. That's that. That's what I would have been. I would yeah. have been that, that more rugged guy that had just no skill at all, but had the ability to throw fisticuffs. Sure. Would I put oil, uh, foil on my fists? Absolutely. Like Francois LaRue, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you would have had a, a, a face shield either. You'd have gone. No, sh- I was yeah, pre face shield. You, no teeth. Um, Carrie doesn't do the face shield. No. 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 I was watching uh, This Is 40 the other night. I've never seen that. Good movie. Yeah. And they uh, they go out to a club and they meet up with the Philadelphia Flyers are there. And uh, I think it's Ian LaPerriere is in there and he takes his teeth out and says, here, you want to try my teeth? I, that would have been kind of you. I, I kind of look at it that way. I might have done it that way. Yeah. Our old friend, no teeth. Uh, You'd have been scarred uh, up. Our, our old friend Rick Zombo, one of my all-time favorite blues. Hey, Zom, you got a minute? It was Zom. Hey, Zom. Yeah. Hold on a second. Let me put my teeth in. <laughs> It's how it worked, yes. man. You know, they didn't have teeth. It, it right. wouldn't have happened. Ryan O'Reilly's the same way. If you get through your entire NHL career and you don't lose any teeth, do you think your teammates side-eye you a little bit? Like, that guy's got a full set. What's he been doing? Yeah. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. lose a tooth yeah. at any point, at point in your hockey career. Because yeah. you got to think, too, Michelle, that, okay, when they're coming up through the minors and they're playing in juniors and all that stuff, they're always wearing face guards or college. Now they have the full shields. You would think at some point these guys are playing some shinny hockey or mm-hmm. practicing or whatever, yeah. and they get an elbow up to the face. You're going to lose some teeth. Yeah. It just happens, baby. Yep. All um, right. Hold on. Yes. This is, Princess Di, according to the 618, passed away on 831-97. August. So that would not have been the NBA Finals, but okay. I don't know. Some, maybe it was baseball going on I was thinking about. Hmm. I just remember being around you, but maybe I wasn't. Anyway, I whatever. Think I, I, I believe that I was uh, with the ball club in Kansas City. I think I was doing the games then. Yeah, you might have been. Wow. Okay. So I think Brian Bartow brought that to my attention that she had passed away. Okay. Rest Cardinal in peace, Princess Die. Yeah, so I was wrong. Gone yeah. too soon. For real. I do remember the Royals, though, so I got yeah. the baseball part right. Is there a more non, with all due respect to the team, but is there a more nondescript team in baseball than the Minnesota Twins? I mean, because when even when they were really, really good, and they won their division two or three years in a row, they'd get to the playoffs, and you wouldn't know any other guys. And they would lose. Yeah. Yeah, in the playoffs. <laughs> right. So but they were really good teams, but you never knew any other guys because they were never on national TV. You didn't really pay a lot of attention to them. They were just kind of tucked into the Central Division, the American League Central. And you knew the guys from the other teams. You knew the, the guys on the— You would know Joe Maurer. Right. That's the the twin that you knew, right? Exactly. So if you go back to the uh, 2004 Division Series, they lost to the Yankees. They have lost, by the way, 17 straight playoff games. Unbelievable. 17 straight playoff games. Now, this is kind of a, and I'll get into it with BK, I'm sure. And Frank Viola, by the way, will be our guest, who is part of the Minnesota Twins Championship Club of 1987. We wanted him here in St. Louis. And uh, that didn't happen. Tom Wallace hit that famous home run. Yeah. Wonder what his memories of that are. I'm not going to ask. Twins are four and ten since the break. Second worst in baseball. O three and one in their last four series. And we've been talking a lot about uh, Barrios. Could he be gone? Um, obviously, Pineda is somebody that we're talking about. They have some other players. I mean, they've already traded Nelson Cruz. The guy that is kind of interesting is Byron Buxton. 
and he turned down a deal that was reportedly around seventy million, and then a counter offer that increased the guarantee to eighty, and that still wasn't enough for the deal. So does he go? I, it just does. Josh, does somebody want Josh Donaldson? If you're a third baseman uh, or need, in need of a third baseman, do you go get him? That's somebody maybe that you yeah. think about too. If Buxton played all the time. That's the whole key. He just can't yeah. stay healthy. He's one of the most exciting players in the game. He'd be a $300 million player if he could play all the time. He but just he just can't, can't stay play, healthy. Can't stay healthy. Yeah, that's the risk you run with him. So they got Miguel Sano. He's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting player, yeah. but he strikes out a ton, but he hits bombs. But that's kind of it. And remember, this is the team that lost, I think, 61 games pre-COVID. So the the, the last mm-hmm. 2019, they only lost 61 games. Right. They were really good. And now it's a team that's kind of spinning their wheels. So they come into town tonight. We'll see what happens. We'll be watching tonight on Bally Sports at 7 o'clock, right? 6.30 pregame? 6.30 pregame. All right. With uh, Scotty and the gang. Scotty and the gang will be there. All right. All right, guys. We'll be tuned in. We'll be tuned in coming up with Frank Viola and BK and the Danny Mac Show. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for the donuts. This was awesome. No problem. And great job on the calls. Oh, I'm... Mad at myself. I should have known that one. Uh, you're, you're, you're strong. Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Hockey name, Kara Razy. Three oh, on four. Kara Razy. Character. Yeah. yeah. Kara Razy. I think that your signature move would have been a punch, and we call it the cracker. Mm. That would have been cool. That would have been fun. Carrie has his cracker. Yeah, that's the Carrie cracker. The Carrie cracker. There you go. You can Carrie, combine yeah. both. Touch you on the shoulder. You go out there and take care of business. Yep. Hey, take care. It's just a given. blackout rage. It's just a given. It's known. You're a handsome brother. Yeah. You're like flying through the ice. That would have been awesome. Would, have been fun. would you have had long hair? Oh, yeah. In the league. I would have done a mullet. Yeah, I could definitely sure. see you having some sort of signature flow. Yeah. Actually, I see a mullet and in like, what are they, What would you describe when you get the lines on the side of your head? I guess I just oh, did describe it. Shaved, shaved in. Yeah. Shaved in. You'd yeah. have that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a little spike. They would have looked perfect for like mid 80s. I would have gone to the uh, same barber as Holly. Probably, yeah, because he kind of had that. Now he's got a mohawk. I saw that. (laughs) Michelle, great work as always. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. I'll see you on Monday. We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. 
Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.